recorded this recording we're good i think we hey. are hi i think it's going hello hello everybody in internet land welcome to another episode of the media boat podcast a marooned edition as it has been since what mid-march since your birthday uh, yeah since about my birthday thank you for joining us uh for another episode today is wednesday june 17th 2020 the cursed year if you are new to the podcast, Media Boat Podcast is a podcast, hence the name, all about media, um, including television, movies, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order, but some order with that stuff. Uh, today with me, we have, uh, I'm Matt, and uh, his name is Mike, and her name is Christy. And we are Media Boat Podcast. Yeah. Friend of the show, Christy, with, on with us today. Thank you Bless for joining us um so yeah let's hop right into it because we've got a packed show and uh, i don't want to be here tonight so let's do it <laughs> all that. right let's start with movies we of course skipped the box office contrary to what people wanted you to believe uh, movie theaters didn't quite open uh like we were told they would uh it seems like last minute ch- changes of mind happened yeah i did look up to see if there was a box office however no. there were no numbers yeah, I have a strong feeling that even if openings do happen, people will not see movies. Speaking of movies. Speaking, and yeah, speaking of movies, I mean, I think people will see them eventually. eventually. And when they it's do... It's not high on people's priority list of going out and doing things. No, but when people do eventually see movies, uh, they will be eligible for rewards, just as they always are traditionally. And thus, the Academy, who brings you the Academy Awards, of course... Uh, the Oscars, you could call them, um, are making plans to adjust their schedule to include movies with this later release, with later release dates. They are moving the eligibility dates back and postponing the ceremony itself as well to April 25th of next year. Uh, The vote was made by a special meeting of the Academy's Board of Governors, which made the move due to theaters being closed, of course. The eligibility date was extended by two months from December 31st, the end of this year, to February 28th, 2021. The Academy worked with studios, distributors, and the Los Angeles Department of Health in seeing the new timetable. The opening of the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, which we've talked about on and off for a few years here, um, has also been delayed to April 30th, five days after the telecast is planned uh, to uh, happen. The Governor's Awards also will not be taking place this year at all. No decision has been made on the format of these future Oscars, but the change of date was announced so that other award shows and industry events could push their schedules back to fit with this new Oscars timetable. So, yeah, I think this is overall smart. I mean, it made sense. They had to do something to account for the fact that movies just have not been coming out for the last four four months, at least not Oscar-caliber movies. (laughs) Right, and normally Oscar-caliber movies are shot eh, earlier in the year, which had production halted on. Yeah, which, I mean, we'll get to that in our second story a little bit about the complications of releasing something in a time like this. Uh, But yeah, I think this makes sense. Uh, February maybe is maybe not enough time, though. Um, I imagine that you're scrambling right now if you're a studio trying to figure out how you can fit this timetable. 
No, but it does give like anything that was already in production that's currently in post production. Yeah. Time to finish up those last minute uh, special effects. All right. Well, if you had to choose your best picture for 2020 in uh, right now in June, uh, what's your best picture for the year? Uh, currently, my best picture is Guillermo del Toro filming a one shot all at his home. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a movie. It is as you watch Guillermo del Toro produce, star, write, direct, and for the first time ever act in his own film. <laughs> that can't be the first time he's ever acted. In his own in his film. Own film. In his own film. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go with nothing because I have not seen any movies released this year. Christy, what's the best picture released in 2020? Um, the half of it. <laughs> Which half? Yeah, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Wait, we discussed the half of it because I made that joke earlier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move but on. Also, a, a close second would obviously be Trolls World Tour. Secret <laughs> so Best Picture Trolls World Tour. It has the music category. <laughs> yeah, it's got that on lock right now. It's probably going to be. Song from theme from um, Scoob. I had to think for a second and remember what the name of that Scooby Doo movie was. <laughs> Scoob exclamation point! I think is what that. I was think called. you have to say it in a shaggy voice though. Scoob, Scoob, Scoob. I, I, can't, I can't do Casey Kasem. I'm sorry. Scoob. Also, it sounds like you were shocked by something. Like, ooh. Well, it's he a dog that can talk, so that is shocking. Yeah, that's how he talks. Scoop, scoop, scoop. Yeah, I can't. Well, you have to throw in some likes and mans and zoinks. Yeah. Zoinks! It's good. Anyway, let's move on to our second story, which has nothing to do with Scooby-Doo, thankfully. Um, But it has all to do with uh, Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson, because their movie has uh, been confusing cinemas around the country. Here's basically what happened. As you know, if you're listening to this, and uh, I'm sure you've seen ads for it, uh, Judd Apatow's King of Staten Island film is being released exclusively digitally, or so we are thought to believe. Two days before theaters were supposed to premiere it, like in an actual theater building, uh, they were abruptly informed that they were not able to show it. The news had created outrage in the close-knit community of drive-in operators, drive-in movie theaters, that is, many of whom who have been promoting showtimes and selling tickets for the movie. Universal didn't give any exhibitors reasoning behind their hasty decision of pulling the plug. Insiders at Universal chalked it up to an internal misunderstanding, saying The King of Staten Island was always intended to premiere exclusively on demand. However, some executives unintentionally seems unlikely, but unintentionally books the film at about 100 theaters. When they realized the mistake, the studio went back to theaters and asked them not to play it. Now, Mike, I have a question about this. So drive-in theaters are mentioned briefly here, but is this just talking about drive-ins or were there actual like real-ass theaters that were told by someone, some connection at Universal, that they were showing this movie? The article that I read, I think Hollywood Reporter, 
uh, stated that it was just drive-in theaters. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that's because actual theaters were not opening across the U.S. Yeah. Like, for sure. For sure. For sure. But what executive was, like, went under, under the, like, under the radar and, like, made that call? Like, was he was just like, I don't know, like, let's give it a shot. Even if we have to tell them no, like, let's try to get some people in cars to see this movie. I I would chalk that one up to gross gross oversight neglect <laughs> or just gross <laughs> it's just gross actually this is just fascinating to me that like 100 different theaters somehow got the got the the, the idea that they were going to put this like put I would say a reel on the machine, but that's not how it works anymore. A hard drive in the machine, and that didn't right. Which then kind of asked the question: Why? Why couldn't they just show? Yeah, their streaming copy of yeah. Judd Apatow's film. On, project it. Project it on a giant screen. Problem with that is it probably looks pretty shitty when you put it like something that's designed for streaming up on a theater-sized screen. Maybe, but you also like don't get the trailers for it. Yeah, you don't probably come with it. it. And also, I wonder if that breaches some sort of Netflix or, sorry, whatever video on demand kind of contract they did, which is probably why Universal had to pull the plug, right? Is because if they had let exhibitors exhibit it, that'd be breaking some sort of piece of the contract. Isn't there like some type of first pass sales thing where you can have your own distribution to it? some sort of business deal on the distribution side. So yeah, I don't know enough really about how the business works specifically to know, but yeah, otherwise this is a fascinating story. (laughs) But, um, and also a perfect segue because you watched this thing. You watched this thing? No, I did not. Oh, Chris, you watched this thing? No. No. We we aren't fans of, uh, we aren't fans of the, uh, of the uh, Pete Davidson character as I mentioned last week on the podcast, because of what, uh, uh, what, uh, what he, he did, did to Ariana Grande. Grande so yeah, we're team Ariana. <laughs> Ariana. <laughs> but you watched this, you watched the King of Staten Island. Is yes. he a king? And does he live in Staten Island? And is uh, he is not man? a king. He <laughs> likes to think of himself as a king, but he is okay. not. Um, mainly watched this because it had Bill Burr in it. Okay, okay, it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting film. <laughs> interesting in both good and bad. All right. Because at times it does feel like, oh, this feels like an actual like Judd Apatow film. Yeah. And then at other times it feels like a really raw first-time filmmaker film. Okay. With shaky camera and weird angles, and they let the scenes play out way too long than they should. <laughs> but when I think that's an aesthetic choice because whenever they did something like that, it's usually like here's the raw emotion, impactful scene that we want in the film, and not the actual film like filler stuff. Yeah, I mean it has to be stylistic. I mean he's been making films for decades at this point like he, he knows how to do it like yeah it's, but it's amateurish a, it's a jarring stylistic choice when you go from clean filmmaking to 
intense, angry filmmaking. Yeah. Like when you're trying to get your point across that this is clearly angst going on and you're jutting the camera around. Yeah. So how much is this Pete Davidson being angsty? Because that seems like the last thing I want to see right now. It's definitely Pete Davidson, the film, and it definitely Uh explores the big generation of not just people who lost lives in 9-11, but people who lost dads due to the war and how they have now grown up and are in their 20s and basically lived a life without parental or without a father figure in their life. Was this, uh, is this like Judd Apatow telling a, like the millennial story? Kind of. This is Pete Davidson with Judd Apatow telling the millennial story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, yeah, just there's a lot of kids out there who are now 20s going into 30s that grew up without a father figure and have basically don't want to, I don't want to sound like it's explaining away their behavior that way. But the like, film greatly leans towards that. Like it's trying to contextualize some sort of angst within these key events that happened within the lifetimes of some of that age. Right, because you have like you have a child gr- who grows up, and then all of a sudden they're seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. These pivotal years that transform them, and all of a sudden they don't have a father figure anymore. Okay. And they don't seek a father figure, one that never enters, and they're raised by single moms. So they either have to become that figure themselves and don't want to and basically kind of reject the overall calling or are just too young to understand it. So and so we see the result of that 20 years down the road. Okay, so I have a question. So you kind of obliquely mentioned this. You were like, not you didn't want to say that it like forgives the behavior but like what does the movie like the movie has probably by the end of it i would assume has some sort of stance on this does it seem like it's saying like oh like this is this is like the pete davidson kid the pete davidson character character i'm guessing does some pretty shitty stuff i'm gonna take a wild guess here he tattoos a 12 year old okay like himself? Like he has the, like the kit? Like, like he wants to be a tattoo artist and he, <laughs> a random kid appears and he's like, hey, do you want a tattoo? And the kid being 12 is like, yeah, sure. So he starts to tattoo a kid. So, okay. But he basically like has an aimless life. Yeah. Where like he tries to be a tattoo artist, but either doesn't draw very well or can't like get an apprenticeship somewhere because he doesn't draw very well so basically the question i'm asking is like does the movie like seem to like like oh no he's just troubled like it's fine or does it actually like say like oh no he's he's troubled and it's not fine and this does not have a happy ending like where where does it land on which side of that Uh, at one point him and his friends try to rob a drugstore okay so like i keep expecting you to say some worse stuff and the stuff you're saying is like, this is like kids, troubled kid stuff. It seems pretty down the middle for me. It, it kind of is down the middle. It doesn't yeah. try to like go to one side or the other, one extreme or okay. the other. You set it up in a way that made me think that he was messed up. But no, he seems like he's not capital mess. Capital no, he's not capital, capital messed, up. messed up. He's just, he's just aimless messed up. messed up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. It doesn't sound as bad as I, I was starting to think it maybe would be. Um, was it a good movie? Did you have a good time? Like, 
I enjoyed it. I mean, it does. It did like hit some buttons along the way, but not enough to keep me like interested. Okay. But it is an interesting movie. I just for me, it's not. Do you the think Pete Davidson, Bill Burr aren't technically like my favorites? Yeah, I was gonna say, is it, well, how much of it is that Pete Davidson is not that appealing? It's it's mostly that for me because like if you Pete put Davidson a different actor trying in to play role. Pete Davidson. Okay, let's let's play around with this. Let's cast it. Who do you put? Who do you replace? Same exact dialogue, same exact role. Replace Pete Davidson. Uh, someone who's more New Yorker. Okay, who do you got? I guess you gotta have somebody, right? No, not off the top. Pete Davidson is from Staten Island. No. Yeah, Thank he you. is from Staten Island, though. So well, you want more, more New Yorker than a New Yorker? <sighs> you could get Colin Jost, who is also from Staten Island. I I would less want. I would want a Colin Jost version of this less than a Pete Davidson. I don't know. I think I think it's the path that that's basically written for Pete Davidson of being a tattoo artist instead yeah. of being something else. Sure. I think that might be one of my major hookup hangups on it. Okay. It's just not that interesting of a story. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's like a coming of age thing that's like just a, it's not compelling enough. You're you're saying to like fill the since it's a Judd Apatow movie, I'm guessing two hour plus runtime. Uh, ninety minutes. Uh, two hours. No, I'm thinking of Artemis Fowl. Night, uh, uh, I was gonna say I would be shocked if Judd Apatow was kept to ninety minutes because no, no, it's a movies two hour are film. always way longer than they should be. <laughs> no, it's a two hour film. Okay, figured. But yeah, I mean, at the end, he spoiler, not spoiler, but he finds like father figure esques of course within a, the firehouse of his dad who passed away of course and so he kind of like takes lessons from there of like okay. how to grow up and be an independent person be a man okay <laughs> all right well uh last thing i'll ask about it is then do you think that do you think we hear anything about this for the rest of the year or does this just completely go, like just dissolve uh it dissolves yeah we don't hear about this results. come April 25th as a screenplay nom or something. Yeah. Nothing. Okay. Just if right. Pete Davidson gets an Oscar before Lin-Manuel Miranda, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that'll happen. I think, I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you watched also, and you mentioned this in passing. You also watched Disney Plus's Artemis Fowl. Yes. The I'm really curious about what you think about this because the internet's been taking a shit on this thing all week. The hour and a half film Artemis Fowl. Yes. So I watched the film and then because it's on Disney Plus and Disney Plus has all the extras for it, I watched all the extra bonus content, all the deleted scenes, all the behind the scenes stuff for it. Why? And then I watched it again. Why? Why? Why did you do this to yourself? Because I was ready to take a shit on it, too. Yeah. Okay. And I wanted to make sure that, okay, let me see. Am I missing something here? Oh. Is there uh-huh. something that I'm not getting? <laughs> no. Is there something that, like, either in deleted scenes or, <laughs> like, 
in the you're behind the scenes like of like redeemable. why why this came yeah. to be the way it was. Uh-huh. And so that's why I watched it a second time. Like, okay, clearly I must have missed something. No. But no. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. How much does this suck? Exposition the movie. <laughs> Basically, by the time I got to the end of this, I'm like, okay, now they're going to get into an actual story. No, that was it. <laughs> that was it. Okay, it was so much exposition and done so poorly that I went and watched the first Harry Potter film to just to cleanse my palate of how exposition is supposed to be done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, real quick. Um, I did not read the novel on which this is based. Were you familiar with Ernest Fowl? I did not read the novel. Christy, okay. have Christy, you read the novel? Ernest Fowl? I, ha- I have not. I know. It's okay. like... I feel like As a librarian, I feel like I should have, but I have not. I don't think it's your fault, though, because, like, I think we, like, as, like, our age group, like, the age of the people on this podcast right now, I feel like we were just a little late for it. I feel like we're there for Harry Potter, but then by the time this comes out, I think we're just a little old. And so I think that's why we probably didn't read it. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm supposed to read, like... (laughs) children's and teens books that come out now because that is my job but yeah but but you weren't prepping for that at age 10 like (laughs) like you're or were you maybe i don't know at age 10 i was reading well no i probably already finished those (laughs) i was gonna say chronicles of narnia but no i'd already finished i read those in like the third and fourth grade yeah yeah maybe like the hobbit or something yeah okay right anyways so we all missed the boat on the original artist pal so you do you're going into this without context right so you're like even then the world building was just like overwhelming uh they do three different types of world building yeah they do flashbacks Mm -hmm. they do um scene in the cell Okay. They do when the scene in the cell is the black is also black and white. Of course. Now the rest of the film is, but for some reason that is. That's how you know that it's set up. <laughs> Wait, the whole movie is black and white? No, just oh. oh. Just just when like he's sitting in a cell talking to a camera and that that's in black and white. <laughs> but the rest of the movie's in color, but for some reason that specifically is in black and white. <laughs> the jail doesn't own a color camera, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. Also, this jail is in the middle of the water. Okay. It's like the raft in Marvel. Okay. Um, also, I'm going to pretend I know what that Irish. is. let you keep going. Good. This thing is also super Irish. Irish? Yes. Um, it's set in Ireland. Okay. Um, so obviously, when you want to show something set in Ireland, you show your main protagonist surfing. What? Because that's what you think about. Huh? That's how he's introduced. He is surfing. Okay. Surfing the what? Like English Channel or something? <laughs> no, nope. <laughs> just surfing off the side of the. I don't even think it's the cliffs of Dover. You're not. <laughs> I was going to say, you're just going to say a random Irish, like, geograph- geographical area. Yep. Oh, also to show that he's cool, he he doesn't skateboard. He 
hoverboards. What was the monocycle thing that people are on? Segway. <laughs> no, no, no. Where you got like the one wheel and then the two feet on the side. They called those hoverboards, but they're not hoverboards. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not where the not where your feet are there and the wheels are on the side. Yeah. The wheels in the middle. Okay. Your feet are on both sides. Is that not also? A, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Is that like a wheelie hover? A, a mono hoverboard? Wheelies are the shoes uh, with wheels on them. Those are heelies. Oh, sorry. You're right. Those are heelies. <laughs> I stand corrected. Anyway. Anyways, okay, yeah, so, they try and set it up that he's cool. Also, yeah. they do the autobiography as exposition for him. They also do the cross-examination for ex- exposition of him. And this whole time, I'm like, show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. Yeah. Show, don't tell. And they keep telling me and not showing, which by okay. the time we actually get to him like showing to be smart... I, I have to like dismiss it because it just feels too easy. Even though they kind of told me all this time that oh he's a genius, he's a genius, he's a genius. By the time you actually get to him actually doing something to show that he's a genius, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't yeah. buy it. It doesn't sell it. Yeah. Do you think that this is in setup of a sequel? Do you think that they've got one in the can and they're just like, we got to burn off this first one to set everything up so that we can get to the actual cool stuff in a second film? Yes, this is the 90 minutes, let's get the team together. Yeah. Film. Which like can set one up. Of a heist movie and you don't get the payoff of the heist This movie. is the prequel to the first heist movie, yeah. which I don't really need, especially yeah. when they're chasing the acorn MacGuffin. Okay. And even at the end, you don't know why they're chasing it or how it works, but somehow <laughs> it works and solves everything. So all that set up and you still don't know why they're doing the thing that they're doing? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. This sounds like a great movie. How's Josh Gad? Well, I don't like the thing that they're doing. They're doing it to get the father back. But, okay, here's the thing, though. (laughs) He knows about the thing because the villain, (laughs) who's shrouded in mystery in a hood. Of course. Clearly not cast yet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I say that because they use a voice changer. Uh-huh. And completely like in black and robe hooded. So it's like, okay, we don't know who this character is going to be yet. We can cast <laughs> them later. But for now, we just want hooded, mysterious figure. Uh-huh. So, hooded, mysterious figure kidnaps Artemis Fowl Sr. Oh, that's the other thing. Oh, okay. There's Artemis two. Fowl is junior. He's the kid, mm-hmm. not Artemis Fowl, the dad, senior. That's Super confusing during the movie, too. Uh, so, uh, Shrouded Hooded character kidnaps the dad. Okay. The Shrouded figure tells, calls the son, uh-huh. says, I have your father, give me the MacGuffin. Otherwise, you're, I'll kill your dad. Oh. Artemis Fowl, say, give me this thing, or else I'll kill Artemis Fowl. Yes. Doesn't say where it is. Doesn't say who has it. Just it's somewhere. So great. Sounds compelling. 
so the kid doesn't say the movie never tells you where it is, where it's located, why they have to get it. I mean, they tell you why you have to get it, but also the city of the elves realize that they also want the MacGuffin because it's like a powerful artifact uh-huh. that's been stolen. City of elves. Mm-hmm. I think I played so that. So they're on. So they want need to get it back as well. They don't know where it's at. Nope. Nope. Uh, by happenstance, the other character, um, the the elf cop, cop elf. Elf cop. Okay. Or leprechaun or whatever. Wait. Fairy. Wait, those are different things. Okay, so. <laughs> elf or leprechaun. Pixie. Okay, third it's option. It's a pixie that works at L-E-P Recon. That's Leprechaun. <laughs> I got it. Thank you. But I got it. Let's Lep Recon. So the pixie works there. Uh-huh. So this is the level we're operating on. I'm glad that we have now, we have the bar. This is the level. Oh, it, the other bar we're leveling on here is Josh Gad's character. That's so, why I asked about Josh Gad. I want to know. Oh, so he's narrating this thing, but doesn't get introduced like into the actual plot until about halfway through the film. Sure. Uh, it's just a whole mess of a film. Oh, yeah. His name, by the way, Mulch Diggums. Mulch Diggums. He is a giant dwarf. Wait, what? Diggs. Yes, time. he's a giant dwarf. Okay. So he's regular size. So he's a human? Like, <laughs> yes, that mean? because they needed a way to explain Josh Gad's size. <laughs> we all do, but... <laughs> okay. He's a giant dwarf who digs. Okay. Well, that sounds ridiculous. Locks. We, have, we cannot explain more of this movie, though, because we're taking up too much time, but that sounds like a disaster. I'm guessing you did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy it the first okay. time or the second and time. I don't know why you made yourself sit through it a second time. Why would so you I thought I missed that? something, but and no. The features. <laughs> Special features. What yeah, are you doing? I, I thought I missed something. No. no. Oh, they also introduced a little girl that does nothing in this movie. <laughs> Great. Okay. Like, I'm sure like she's probably like important to the plot down the line, mm-hmm. but she literally is not important in this film and does not need to be there. Great. You just her in the next film. Yeah, maybe. Just keep passively mentioning her without her actually being there because she's not important at all. Does nothing of significance. Well, I look forward to uh, summer 2021, a year from now, where you talk about the second one uh, that somehow gets a theatrical release and nobody sees it. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. Uh, so, um, just real brief, this isn't, isn't something that came out in the year 2020 uh, for the first time, but uh, Christy and I watched on the Criterion channel, which I currently am in possession of a trial for, which I don't think I'm going to keep for very long. Uh, we watched, uh, the first time I believe it's been able available for streaming, the documentary of the cast recording of the Broadway show Company. Which where- company? Uh, the Broadway show titled Company. Oh. It's a uh, Stephen Sondheim um, 
Joint. <laughs> Steven Sondheim joint. The joint, yes. Uh, Production. For those of you uh, listening, and also probably you, Mike, who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, you remember the documentary Now did a bit where it was like they were doing a cast recording of a show called Co-op. John Mulaney is in it. Anyways, um, that's that's a takeoff of this. It's well-known documentary in musical theater spaces. And Christy had seen this before. Uh, I had not. And so we watched it. And it is, wow, it is ridiculous, like, straight from the 70s documentary goodness. It's great. Yeah. Highly recommend it. If you ever want to know the, like, one one to watch a Broadway cast record a soundtrack without acting but like pretending to act well it's not called okay first of all it's not called a soundtrack it's called a cast recording whatever soundtracks are for movies you're for movies anyways it's great and you can see elaine stretch yeah a younger elaine stretch and yeah it's interesting they did one take Kind of. Like on purpose? No. I mean, multiple takes, but in one day. Okay. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway. Sounds exhausting. It took two days because she had to come back. That's right, right. There is the bit at the end. Anyway, but that's not from this year. Let's move on to more stuff that happened this year by moving on to the television section, which we always start, of course, with sports. We just got a couple of quick sports hits, looks like, this week. First off, you have convinced me that there will be no baseball this year. <laughs> and it's looking like that will be the case. Yeah. So me lastly talking to you basically convinced you no baseball. But, but, but this basically solidifies it. The last nail in the coffin is that the Players, Players Association rejected the league's rep- proposal completely and has now said they will not submit a counteroffer. So the players will n- refuse to get paid any less than the deal that was originally struck. The league wanted to lowball them for an even shorter season, and the players are saying no. So if the players don't have a deal, uh, don't make a deal, then the league can't really play baseball, so nothing happens? So here's the interesting thing about this. Mm-hmm. There's no deal in place right now. Mm-hmm. The players are holding out because they want the prorated for more money. More games, yeah. more games means more money. Right. The owners don't want to because less games means they get to pay less. And yeah. since they're not getting anything on the revenue side, it's better for them. Right. Now, the players technically cannot strike as part of their CBA. Right. Right. They have to. Be, they have to be able to play. Mm-hmm. They owners can literally drag this out until like end of July, August, and, and basically come to a point where they tell the players, you have to come and play these 40 games. Otherwise, you will be in breach of contract and we will take you to court. Yeah. So, so that's where it's headed. Every baseball player in the league. Yes. The play, the, 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 they're going to have to figure out some sort of deal. 
Yes, or force the players' hands to return. But, but then the- it gets into the interesting yeah. aspect that we talked about last week where, okay, let's say they return. Do they play baseball or just basically – play baseball. Go out there and yeah. kind of like fart around like, okay, we're out here, we're getting paid, <laughs> but we're not – we're like visibly striking. yeah. Like against see, the owners playing baseball. Do we see like freaking? I feel like this is, plays out in two ways, right? It either plays out where we see like 33 to 42 games of baseball, or we see zero zero games of baseball. <laughs> That's like one <laughs> of two options. That's pretty much where we're headed. <laughs> what, like, like, I can't even imagine what players would do, right? Because it's like, I guess, like, maybe some of them would make an effort because it's fun, because they like playing the game, right? Like, so I imagine probably that makes me think that maybe the high score thing happens, right? Where it's like the batters get up there and they just whack because they're like, why not? And Like, they like playing the game and they're still getting paid something for it. But, like, fielding, though, I can't imagine they put much effort into it. You get three pitches because you're swinging at everything. Right, you're swinging everything. <laughs> and you just, just have, oh, I struck out. The pitchers are just... Or, just, oh, well, I hit it. The pitchers are just trying to hit, hit them. They're just trying to wild pitch everywhere. Like, just really get into the ground. Like, I mean, basically, anything that happens this year will have, like, nothing. strike, asterisks, anything yeah. surrounding it, emboldened, whatever. Because this year is basically not going to count for any type of stats. The weird anyway. year. <laughs> just like, it's like, just call it in the record books. It's like 2020, the weird year. Right. And we'll, we'll get into records in a bit here. Oh, oh yes, we will. Um, but yeah, so we won't see, even if we do see baseball, we won't see our real season is basically what this means. And I just continue to be fascinated with this whole, this whole thing as it continues. But that's not the only sports story. We also have um, yet another uh, a player in a sport testing positive for the coronavirus. Yep. All right. Tell, tell me about this. Uh, this is Ezekiel Elliott, you know, the man who held out last year for the Dallas Cowboys until yes. he got paid. Yes. Uh, who let people draft his backup like I did and hold on to him all season like yeah. I did. <laughs> The Tony Pollard Express. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Zeke tested positive. Um, assumption he's going to pull through because he is a finely tuned athletic machine. Uh-huh. But, and then like all of Dallas is basically saying like, yeah, Zeke gets it now. He won't be out during the season. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, the players always having the best for their players in mind. Right. I mean, like, always want that's that. what their thought is. Like, you get it now during the summer. So that way, come August, when you go back to training, you're not going to get it again. But there's nothing proven that you can't get it a second yeah, time. Yeah, who knows at this rate? Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, people are, are running the assumption that he has it now. He'll pull through. Then he has antibodies for it. But who the hell knows? Right. Who knows if he does even... And I'm still of the mind that they don't, they don't play football. 
Well, so see, I'm of the mind that now that he has it, that he is considered a marked player. Yeah. That like anyone who practices near him has the potential to get infected from it. Right. But this also does open um, some doctor up or some testing site up to how did we know that Zeke got it? Because isn't that some form of HIPAA violation? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be, huh? Mm-hmm. Whew, complicated. I would hate well, to... He announced it himself. No, he did not announce it himself. Oh. Got it. Okay. Weird. All right. This just, yeah. It remains being a very, very strange, strange year for, yeah. for sports. Yeah. Uh, also, in people who got it, uh, one wrestler ended up getting it on that, yeah. yesterday, on Tuesday night. So, no. He tested positive on Monday night, but he performed on Tuesday night, so they canceled Tuesday night's live version of WWE wrestling. Okay. To figure out who was around him, just like have like a plan for attack for Right, probably to wipe <laughs> down and get a clean crew into the studio to yeah. wipe everything. Makes sense. Okay. Anything else in sports before we move on to television news? Nope. I got extra sports at the end though. Well, we'll get there. Uh, first off, first story is about Peacock. Yeah, been a while since we talked about Peacock. Right, so um, we've been but, on the HBO Max train. Yep, yeah, but Peacock is the next one. Uh, Peacock is nigh. It will uh, be out in um, uh, July, uh, so we're about a month out. And NBC has announced that uh, they'll be using Peacock to uh, present their annual upfronts. So all of us here know what an upfront is. But just to remind our audience, Mike, do you want to briefly explain? Upfront is base, is another way of saying your fall TV preview. Yeah. Little clips, basically, for advertisers, uh, typically, uh, to show these are, these, are the, these are the shows for our new season. This is what we've got. This is what they look like. Brief synopsis. And do you want to buy ad time for this? Basically. Right, but this is also a way for NBC to get viewers talking about it on social media to see, yeah. so that way NBC can say, hey, a lot of people are talking about this show, we can raise our rates on this. Yeah. Or configure so scheduling and whatnot. Yeah, so typically these things aren't always like creative. Usually it's just a clip package. But this year, NBC is trying something new. They've announced that they will, be, uh, they will have an hour-long commercial-free event where the upfronts are hosted by the cast of, what do you know, 2000's hit 30 Rock. They will celebrate, they will quote, celebrate the stories and talent featured in the NBC Universal's 2020 to 2021 television season on July 16th. Uh, this will not only serve as a way for NBC to showcase its upcoming shows, but also promote Peacock, which launches the day before on the 15th of July. Um, so from what I understand is most of the original cast will be returning for this. You'll get your Tina Fey, you'll get your Alec Baldwin. Yep, uh, you'll get your um, Kenneth Purcells. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, after the Parks and Rec thing, I feel like that maybe softened my excitement for something like this because that was just okay. It didn't seem super necessary. And this but, will have the exact same setup of virtually yeah, presenting shows. It will be virtually presented. But the fact that they're like 
throwing the clip packet, like the clips of already produced content makes me feel a little bit better about this, where it won't just be like, also, there won't be a plot to kind of shoehorn it around, which was my biggest problem with the Parks and Rec is that telling a story is really hard in that method. But if you're making jokes, I could see it working. Well, I see, see, I'm going to assume the plot is Jack, like Liz Lemon, trying to, sell trying to Jack show. that we have this show, but we can't get it to people because we're locked in our house. Yeah. How do we do that? How do we do that? Yeah. And that's your premise. Yeah, like, and I think that 30 Rock, just the setup, because it's in, like, it, like it's in TV production itself, like, the characters are in that world, mm-hmm. that it's easier to make jokes about this kind of thing. And so, yeah, like, I feel like maybe it'll be a little bit better of use of the technology, but, I mean, I guess we'll see next month. So, and they have a month to put it together. Also, assuming they put, like, actual... Um, guidelines in place. Yeah, it does give them enough time to shoot something. Yeah, like in a studio where everybody is together. It, maybe, but probably maybe. Not. I would guess no. I would guess all the Thirty Rock stuff that you see here is virtual, like is remote. I don't think you see a cast together. Yes, but keep in mind that Thirty Rock also went live several times throughout its run, yeah. so they have experience in doing it. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Where do you think uh, Tracy Jordan is quarantined? <laughs> you know what? That is the premise. They're trying to find <laughs> where Tracy Jordan is yeah. being quarantined, and that is the premise. They just keep calling someone up like, hey, have you seen Tracy Jordan? No. Oh, well, I got you. Episode. Here, I have this. That was an episode of the original run because he has a freaking green screen where he's pretending to be on an island. It right, was, or like in the jungles of Africa or something. Yeah, yeah that, that's right. He goes to, to a couple different places. Like, they've done that bit already. They can't just do that bit again. Totally just do that bit again. Maybe they can. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm curious about Peacock. I want to know more. Uh, I specifically want to know how much Saturday Night Live is going to be on there. Mm-hmm. Like, are they just going to toss all of it on there? I don't see why not. Yeah, I want them to, but I don't know if they will, because... Hulu, they only did like the last 10 seasons and then like five, the first five. And then there was right. Even HBO Max has select collections. Yeah. Although HBO Max, weirdly enough, has the entire run of Mad TV. So, which I realized this last last weekend, I'm like, I'm never going to watch this, but it's cool that this is available to me. (laughs) I I never watched it. So I was like, this is neat that this is here, but. Yeah, I accidentally found that it was there while I was searching for uh, uh, 61, the movie. Yeah, but who's going to sit there and watch all of Mad TV? I mean, somebody might. <laughs> okay, there you go. Should we ask someone what they think? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Okay, add that, Christy, add that to the list. Like, we'll, are we challenging ourselves to watch the entirety of Mad I mean, I watched a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, okay. When it was on. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, there's an audience for everyone. So, yeah, because I, I, I'd be interested because there's, there's a whole lot of SNL that I did not see. So I would be interested to see if they filled in that gap, my gaps there, and put a bunch of the, the 90s and early 2000s stuff that I have not seen yet. So mm-hmm. anyway. 
let's move on to our television, uh, second television story here, which is uh, less about television and more about Comic-Con. As we've reported on this podcast before, Comic-Con is coming to you via internet browser near you, um, as opposed to being a live event. And DC um, and Warner um, are have some plans about the DC universe and how it's going to be presented virtually through Comic-Con. Or multi-virtually. Yeah, multi-virtually. So I, I read some of this, and this is straight up a press release. So... Uh, this is really press releasey, so just all right. So give me your best we, press release voice. There's no press release voice; they're always written. I have a press release voice. Sure you do. I have and a sales voice. Sales voice. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, this will sound really pressy, and the reason is is because it is. So bear with me. Saturday, August twenty second, starting at ten a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Is that what we're in? Are we in daylight? Yeah, I guess we're in yeah. daylight time right now. Uh, Warner Brothers will welcome fans everywhere into the DC Fan Dome, 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 a free virtual fan experience. Accessible for 24 hours. That's it. Only only a day. At DCFanDome.com. Great website. The global event will immerse immerse fans into the DC multiverse with new announcements from WB Games, Film, Television, and Comics as well as in the opportunity to hear from the cast and creators behind your favorite feature films and TV series. Fans will also get access to localized events featuring the faces and voices from countries around the world in their local language. DC Fandom Dome will also allow you to explore five additional satellite worlds. I love a satellite world. Each with its own localized content and unique activities. Those are the DC Watchverse, the DC U-verse, me-verse, the DC Kids-verse, the DC Insider-verse, and the DC Fun-verse. All the multiverses. Only one of them is fun, though. The rest are not fun. You have to go to the Fun-verse for fun. So who has more verses, this or an Eminem Raps album? (laughs) (laughs) You can submit art and cosplay photos at create.dcfandom.com for a chance to be featured inside the virtual event and compete with people across the globe just who is, I guess, to see who is the ultimate DC superfan. So basically dress up as a, a Poison Ivy, take a selfie, and then submit it. No, I'm not, I'm not suggesting this. I'm like saying like you should do it. Like, yes, they're, they're also encouraging people to submit their best bat caves. Or DC caves. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't want to see your bad cave. <laughs> well, that's a nose cave. That's different. Uh, There's bats up there, too. Bats up there? Wow. <laughs> very, very small. Anyway, They're just hanging I, around. I'm not a DC person. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Are you ready for more news about Batman, I guess? I don't know. I don't I mean, know anything about comic books. This is DC's way of getting around it. It's, yeah. I mean, it's within their universe to have multiverse. So yeah. it makes sense. Multiple Earths. Are they the one with like, there's multiple Earths and this is like Earth 3.1 or Earth both, both Marvel and DC right? have. Oh, both of them both. do that? Okay. okay. Yeah, they both do multiple Earths. We do not have time to get into that. But yes. Multiple universes are a thing. 
for that. Like in real life too. Just like in real life, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In an alternate universe, uh, this podcast is listened to by millions. It's true. I, I like to live in that universe. I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. Anyway. Um, okay. Well, if y'all don't have anything to say about this, I mean, it's neat that they're doing it. But yeah. I wonder if that's when they'll announce the next Batwoman. Oh, you mean like, yeah, because they have to recast it after Ruby Rose left the show, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe. Who, don't know. who would you cast in that? Uh, nobody. Nope. Nope. Uh, nope. Christy, nope. young LGBTQ actress. Who do you cast? Oh, I don't know. To be Batwoman. Yeah, to replace Ruby Rose. Mm. Who's a Ruby Rose like? It has to be her like. Well, I mean, she was in the role, so they would probably want somebody to be similar to her. Or they could just kill her off and yeah, have the person. Yeah. Um. Who's? I just want to see Tessa Thompson do stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was gonna say. I was gonna say Zendaya. I was like, "What's Zendaya doing?" She's Spider Man. Michi. I mean, she she is a, is and always will be Michi, but Zendaya also, is Michi. <laughs> oh, she's probably shooting Euphoria season, or she probably was shooting Euphoria season two, right? That's got to be on hiatus, though. Yes. Or is, wait, Mike, you're acting, you're making a face like something happens at the end of Euphoria season one that I don't know of. I'm like, not. Yeah. Did I just spoil something about Euphoria, a show I've never seen? No, you just basically said something about a show you've never seen that's completely out there. Shit. Oh, man. I'm sorry to our audience um, if that's Michi is dead. Oh, no. We killed Michi. Oh, no. What did we do? Anyway, okay. Well, Zendaya must be free then, so I say Zendaya. (laughs) I know nothing about Euphoria. Don't get mad at me. Moving on. There's a lot of dicks in it. That's all I know. Yeah, there's a lot of penises. That's all I know about Euphoria. And glitter, like glitter makeup. Glitter mm-hmm. penises. Glitter my penis. favorite kinds. The best kind. Yeah. So Robert Pattinson's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about things we watched on television. All right, who wants to go first? Do we want to hear? Well, I feel like we always do Mike first. So let's do ours first. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> You watched three things, but we watched two things. We watched, we had a Netflix week. It looks like you had an HBO Max week, uh, but we had a Netflix week. Uh, we watched to two, two new animated shows, or at least two returning, I, should, I guess I should say. Um, Hippo Age of the Wonder Beasts got season two. It is uh, 10 more episodes of Hippo. We are watching that right now. We are about halfway through the season. Um, more than a little bit more than halfway. Yeah, we're we're blazing through it because it's real good. Um, so yeah, um, what what are your thoughts so far on the season compared to the first one? I like season two better than season one. Season one, I was like, oh, it looks cool, I guess, but I don't. I'm not really like sucked into the actual storyline. Yeah, yeah. But this one, I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen? Yeah. 
they like figured out a way like because the cool thing about the first one i remember talking about this when we talked about the first season in january um can you believe that that was only in january like this year has been so long um but yeah when we talked about it i was talking about like how just like the vibe of it is like super cool it's got a cool like multi-genre soundtrack it's got like a really neat animation style it's got like just like a vibe to it and that was mostly what worked about the first one and then um the first season like it had like a little bit of a like an interesting kind of hook towards the back end of this of the season but this one from the get-go is like really driven with a direction it's like all the characters know exactly what they need. There's a new revelation every single episode. Like they're doing a really good job of making it like a really good serialized Netflix show and making you really interested in the like where the end point's gonna lead. And uh, yeah, like I feel like the writers are getting their getting their stride with this season and they know what that show is now. And, yeah. It's also, still- there's yeah. goat cheese witches. There are goat cheese witches. They're goats and yeah. they're witches, and they. The make show cheese. is wild. Like I love it so much. It's getting better, and yeah, I feel like it's one of those um, things that not enough people are talking about. That I feel like I need to evangelize evangelize for. So, like, if you haven't watched it and it seems like it'd be your shit, please watch it, so that we can get more of it. Right, so you t- talked about this, and then when you announced season two, I was going to go and look it up. Check it out. Uh, I confused it with a different show. Oh. <laughs> uh, Beast Stars on no. Netflix. Oh, no. Beast Stars is an anime, and yeah, it is not. Well, class, I was looking under animation, and it said Beast yeah. Stars. Like, oh, is this, this what is he not means? The thing we were talking. not what it means, because I saw your show later. Yeah. As I was searching for the next show we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but the other thing we watched um, is uh, Pokemon Journeys, which is yeah. the series of Pokemon. It is, I think, just called Pokemon or maybe Pokemon V, I think, in Japan. Um, they b- basically build it as we're rebooting the series. Basically, we're taking out all the baggage, I guess you could say, of Ash like being in a specific journey, like, or sorry, being in a specific region and basically, we're starting from zero. Ash has just Pikachu. He is going around with a new partner, and they're region hopping. They're going from region to region on a whim, basically, to tell stories across the Pokemon world wherever they want the stories to be. Yeah, which you would not be able to tell from the first episode. No, no. The first episode is pretty traditional. It's like sets up like, hey, this is almost like a parallel to the first episode of the show, except Ash is even younger, and we're talking about how he meets these characters as a child at a Pokemon camp. He doesn't go to Pokemon camp. He never makes it. Or That's right, he doesn't meet them. That's right, he doesn't. Yeah. But we yeah. learn Pikachu's backstory. Yes, there's an origin story for Pikachu that is so cute, I don't want to give it away here. Um, but, but yeah, it's like a cute setup, but ultimately what the show becomes the season becomes is like they're working for this professor that basically sends them on these research tasks, these research assignments. So they'll, that gives them the ability to go to like, okay, this episode's there in Hoenn. 
this episode, they're in uh, Sinnoh, like wherever region they need them to be in that one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it allows if them you to really want to have fun, go anywhere. Wait. I said it really allows them to just yeah. go anywhere. Um, and if you really want to have fun while watching it, you should take a shot every time he says the future is in the palm of his hand. Yeah, so let's talk about Go for a second. This guy is annoying. So Go is the new uh, companion character. Um, he is a know-it-all like brat who like just thinks he knows everything about every Pokemon. And he catches Pokemon like he's playing Pokemon Go, the mobile game. It's his name. So he just, like, throws balls willy-nilly at stuff, doesn't weaken it before he throws. He just, like, catches things at a mile in a minute. I swear, the second episode of the show, I feel like, sets a new record for most Pokemon caught in a single episode of the show. Like, it's insane. Like, what the hell? <laughs> but it all that second episode also showed that they're not, obeying by region as they're in vermilion city and yet you have pokemon from literally everywhere but yeah like it's an interesting setup and i'm not really sure exactly where it's going to go from here we're about four episodes in five episodes in so i don't know it seems fun the animation seems like it's a nice like middle ground between the kind of more over the top stuff they were doing in the sun and moon season and uh the more like polished the more like painterly stuff they were doing in the x and y stuff it Mm -hmm. sets like a middle ground between where every once in a while there's a crazy take but generally speaking it's pretty boilerplate um but ultimately i want there to be more of a balance between ash and go because at this point i feel like they're two similar characters like they're both kind of like brash like i'm gonna be whatever you know characters really the only difference is that go is like this encyclopedia and ash is this like i don't know i'm just gonna go for it kind of character and i think that those aren't different enough to really make the dynamic work do you think this is a human uh personification of the pokedex a little bit but like not even that like he's just like i don't know i don't like his character it's like it's what i'm getting at and yeah christy's right he says the same stuff over and over again if i have to hear him say that the future is his hands again i'm gonna like throw something at the screen also he was really mean to score bunny so like screw him yeah he was mean to a score bunny and like yeah it's just got a weird vibe for me so far and I'm hoping it gets a little cool like and more interesting as they go to the because I think the fun of this will be them going to different the different regions and it'll be fun for me to be like oh they're there oh that's that person oh that's that Pokemon which means that the fun is really only for people who have previous knowledge then because I'm wondering then to get Christy's point of view because she's not familiar with a lot of those regions so yeah it'll be an interesting thing to continue is it that way or is it more of like that wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> see what we did to like all the people who have been following that's the thing is i don't know so far it seems to like maybe try to do both like okay. the the galler stuff i feel like is kind of a moot point because those games are new enough that that's not a problem but when they're going back to like i think the next episode we're about to watch they go to Sinnoh 
And I'm like, do I remember anything about Gen 4? I guess I'm going to find out. <laughs> so we'll see. But So, okay, I'll bring that up later, maybe. Yeah, yeah. During video games. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about, yeah, we'll talk about kind of the other half of this, which is that a lot of Pokemon news hit today and the expansion to Sword and Shield are out. So there's new stuff happening in Galar also. Uh, but, but yeah, oh, there, we did watch one that was in, set in Hoenn. So that was, I guess, an interesting kind of comparison. Like I was, I was able to kind of fill in some of the context that she didn't know about, about that region and the battle frontier. Um, but beyond Ooh. that, like, you don't need to hold, I guess you didn't need to have a whole lot of prior knowledge for it. But I think I would have enjoyed it without yeah. commentary. Yeah, like, it's fine. But I get it. It's okay. There's you can tell Matt to shut up and just watch. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Anyway. So, yeah. It's interesting so far. But, um, yeah. I don't know how it's going to go from here on out. Yeah, I I only got through the first two episodes, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see like how it progresses. And I, hearing your take, I do kind of miss the gym challenges because like, oh, you have a goal you're working towards, not yeah. pop in and out all of a sudden random episodes. You don't need an order. It I loses so, the I, progressive storytelling. I see what you mean, but then even but when you look back at the show, though, they always had difficulty with that, where it's like there'd be like maybe three or four episodes where that was the thing, but then there was so much filler otherwise, and I feel like this is probably way more freeing for the writers of the show, which are now, like as we kind of mentioned a few weeks ago, are now basically all the people writing for that show are people who grew up watching the show. Right. So, like, they're writing from that perspective, and you can tell. Like, I think they like having the freedom of, like, let's just tell whatever Pokemon story we want. And it's able to give more depth to something that in a previous season would have been filler. Yeah, but doesn't that just make it all filler? I I mean, yes, but that's what I'm saying, is that it allows them to kind of pump that up and make it better than it would have been if they had, like, a one-episode filler episode to just do about like some random person in Johto. Uh, the Johto seasons were so bad. Uh, well, I don't know do, why. Do, do, do. Uh, do, I don't know do, why. Do, do. 11 year old me <laughs> felt like he had to watch every single one of those because man, I wasted so many years of my life watching that show. <laughs> anyway. And finding out what's in the GS ball? Nothing! They never know! They never find out! That whole arc ends and they never opened the GS ball. It was a complete MacGuffin and it didn't matter. So mad. Still, to this day. Anyway. Anyways, Wait, is it the same tra- from Artemis Fowl? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the thing from Artemis Fowl. You know, it kind of looks like it's golden acorn-ish. Oh. <laughs> Acorns are uses Pokeballs. You just figured it out. Yeah. I mean, in the Generation 2 games, you do make uh, Pokeballs from, like, acorn-like like seeds. So And they never go back to it ever they again. They never go back to that. Even in, like, wait, isn't there even, like, the Pokeball factory in black and white that completely rewrites that whole origin of Pokemon? Yeah. Anyways, let's, that's, I'm getting too deep into Pokemon lore <laughs> right now, so let's, let's move on. We'll, get, we'll get to Pokemon about, lore later. Yeah, you need to talk about things that you watched so we can get over halfway through the show. <laughs> okay. Real briefly, uh, I didn't talk about it last week, but Be Water. 
the Bruce Lee yes. 30 for 30 uh, on ESPN. It's yeah. short. It doesn't need to be as long. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, though. Like, I knew nothing about Bruce Lee other than okay. that he did Enter the Dragon and then died young. Yeah. Uh, but How do they tie it into sports? How does this air on ESPN? Because that was the main question I had. He's just martial arts. Yeah. And then it dwells a lot into Hollywood. Okay. And like how like Bruce Lee um, got like his role on the Green Hornet and then basically advocated for um, minorities to be more front and center and be more like inclusive. Right. He was one of the loudest voices of the time. But yeah, not a whole lot of actual sports into it. Interesting, but not a whole lot of actual sports into it. Yeah, so but if you okay. want to know more about Bruce Lee and if you want to kind of yeah. get into his, like I found it, like I found it fascinating when it got to the Hollywood parts. Yeah, but everything else was just okay. Yeah, he was good at martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like, so so I guess the last thing before we move on because we're gonna probably have to move through the rest of this pretty quick. Yeah. Um, is like is it is this interesting enough where I wouldn't just say read his Wikipedia page? Mm, there are a lot of interviews done, like people talk about Bruce Lee, but yeah, you probably just read the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else did you watch? Uh, I watched the other uh, ESPN Thirty for Thirty, Long Gone Summer. About well, I don't know what this the- one is. This is about the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run uh, record. Right. Okay. And the eventual uh, steroid scandal that spawned yeah. from it. Yeah. Which I thought you would have watched. because I totally, I totally forgot about it. Like, I honestly, I remembered the Lance Armstrong one. I remembered Bruce Lee, but I totally forgot about that this one was happening. Yes. I can always go was, back and watch it. Oh, yeah. Definitely go back and watch it because it's definitely an interesting time because... It took place during the 98 season, like mm-hmm. after the 94 baseball strike, and baseball is practically dead. Yeah. So this was like a big way of allowing people to come back. It revitalized to, interest in the sport. Yeah, because, you know, home runs are an exciting event. Yeah. Or at least it basically showcased what home runs had become an, into the, an exciting event. Yeah. Before it was, course, oh, you, you hit it out of the park? Great. Now we have to start all over of getting people on base and moving people around. Right. But then it became the spectacle of a home run. And then like that juxtaposed with the kind of the dark side, which was the league trying to grapple with the fact that all of these stars were using these substances and it sort of trickled out in the next decade. Right. But it wasn't so much that they were using it or abusing it so much as it wasn't regulated by the MLB at the time. And so much that it wasn't considered at the time to be a performance enhancing drug that they didn't consider it that which you know hindsight is always 2020 <laughs> but like even like at times during when they show interviews of them in the clubhouse you can clearly see in the background like oh here's the creatine here's all yeah. the supplements they're taking here's they everything they're, they're they all hiding it on. because it wasn't in the rule books that it was a no-no yet right because it wasn't technically legal or illegal illegal it, it was like oh well you know, there's no rule against it. And if it's helping me. 
seeing yeah. a lot of parallels with what you're talking about with the Lance Armstrong stuff, where it was very similar, where he his excuse was basically like, hey, we were all doing it, and it wasn't necessarily, it was like a gray area. No, his stuff was actually illegal, though. Oh, okay. So there was a difference. Yeah, the Lance Armstrong stuff was illegal, and like they actually went around ways to explain why he had tested pot high at times, why yeah. like he got false false positives. Yeah. Whereas in the MLB, it was done after the fact in 2001. Right. How about like 110 players basically freely gave a sample of themselves to be tested. Like, hey, like we did nothing wrong, so why, yeah. why wouldn't I be? Right. Yeah. But yeah, but it it clearly goes into the time that like everyone was on it. Like not even not just the players, but like the pitchers as well. Everyone, and no one was really hiding it. Not just the players, but the pitchers too. But the women and children too. (laughs) (laughs) All of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll probably go back and check that out once I have some some free time. But it does bring up a really interesting point that most likely none of these players will end up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, because of that. Because of it. But Sammy Sosa in the documentary makes a good point that Hall of Fame isn't seen as like the best of the best, but rather a history of the MLB. Yeah. So he brings up that that is part of the MLB's history whether you like it or not. And it should be like a part of the hall of fame. That kind of reminds me, that bit reminds me of, you know how like time magazine is always like, Oh, our person of the year is the person who affected history most, not necessarily the best person, but right. Like, and that kind of reminds me of the same thing. It's like, so yeah, that's a fair argument. Like, no, we shouldn't just be having yeah. like, players extremely notable. We shouldn't just, we shouldn't keep them off because they cheated. Yeah, well, we have comments from the chat as well. I will say I so vividly remember being like a nine or 10 year old or however old, nine, I guess. Um, And just because Mark McGuire's from our area, that was probably one of the most exciting like sports things that we've ever witnessed. Oh yeah. And even though it's slightly tainted by steroids and maybe they won't be in the hall, it's still pretty epic. And I feel like it, it is a huge part of history certainly for baseball yeah. whether yeah. it ends up being slightly tainted or not so i liked it it was a cool trip down memory lane and yeah. it makes me miss baseball and <laughs> they can definitely do something they can have a, like they have a wing set up for the women's league and for the negro leagues that there's no reason that they can't have something set up for yeah. this era of baseball because it is a part of their history it would be a tainted area. It's not. <laughs> yeah, what a, like, I don't know if I'd like having like, oh, there's the women's wing, the Negro wing, and Drugs. the cheaters wing. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> those things that don't like line up is the same, but okay. <laughs> no, but it is a part of their history. It's a part of baseball history. Otherwise, you're going to have a gap between I think what she's saying is that why even have these cordoned off and why just make why don't just make all of it the baseball hall thing? Is I think yeah. what she's saying. It's like there's no reason. If right, going- but I mean it is a part of their history. And if you yeah. want to say the Hall of Fame is an MLB history museum, yeah. then yes, they 
should definitely be a part of it. Yeah. Anyway. I think they should be a part of it too. I don't know if they need their own separate right separate wing. Thing. Right, but I'm just saying that if you have like these wings set up for the stuff that you clearly don't want to sweep away, yeah, why are you trying to sweep this away? Like it's a part of your history. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's complicated, yeah. but hopefully they'll figure it out down the line. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, you lastly watched uh, something I briefly, briefly, briefly mentioned when I was talking about HBO Max because I did not like it. You watched the Anna Kendrick vehicle Love Life. What did you think about this thing? So I remember you saying you didn't like it. Yeah. Um, I can agree. <laughs> and then also disagree. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it, but I probably would have enjoyed it more if it didn't go so goddamn fast. <laughs> yeah, right? It's paced weird. Uh, it's so oddly paced. And, like, they basically crammed a whole series, season series of girls down into ten episodes. <laughs> that is one way to put it. It's like, okay, you're going to give me a chance to breathe between these relationships. You give me a chance to, like, learn from them, show that some growth. That's not the point, though, because the entire point of the show is it's supposed to be, like, all these different... The character learned from all these people that she dated. Nope. Nope. That's not what we're doing here. It's just, okay, this happened. Didn't work out. Let's go on to the next one. See if this works out. (laughs) It's such a weird premise for a show. Like, I get why somebody would have been really excited about this and been like, I found a great concept for a show. It's like all of the different relationships somebody's been in, and each episode is a new relationship. Like, conceptually, that's interesting. But yeah, you cannot do that in 30-minute chunks. No, it's it went way too fast. And even at the end, like, oh, she's the one who has it all. Yeah. Nope, I was not satisfied with that ending at all. Did the, does the dialogue get better? Because that's why I turned it off after 20 minutes, the first episode, because I was just like... Nope, it's the same so dialogue. first drafty. Same. Like, you, I mean, you were in those writing classes in college with me. You know what a first draft by a film student sounds like. Didn't all of that sound like a first draft from a film student? Like, yeah, it just felt very rushed. Like, okay, we need to get to the point without letting anything breathe. Presumably there are pro- there there are professionals writing this. Presumably Paul Feig is back there somewhere because I know he's involved in this. He's okaying all of this. Like he's giving approval for all of this. Like how did he let any of this happen? Like I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. I do have a question. Okay. Answer. Um, do you think that Anna Kendrick's agent? Do you think she was like, hey? Get me a show on all the streaming networks. <laughs> and we'll see which it. one pans out. Maybe. I believe I, it. Although she didn't, that wasn't a Disney Plus show. That was a film. Noel. Oh, does that predate Disney Plus? Was that was supposed to be something else? No, that was Disney Plus. Okay, so yeah. Then that deal would have been made with Disney Plus. So if I see that commercial about her Quibi show one more time, I swear to God. <laughs> Don't worry, Quibi will be dead soon. It only yeah, got like thirty percent of its projected subscribers. <laughs> Quibi. I keep forgetting Quibi exists, and every time somebody brings it up, it's like, oh yeah, Quibi. 
I can never forget that I keep seeing the stupid commercial for like this show where she's like on the road with a sex doll. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Can't wait to watch 15 minutes of that. It's okay. I keep seeing the ads for the Donald Sterling NBA docu-series on TV. And I'm like, nope, nope. I'm going to wait for that to just hit YouTube at some point. <laughs> Quibby. Let's stop talking about Quibi. Let's stop talking about television and let's move into cancellations and renewals. All right. What am I no longer watching? Real quick. Stars is bringing back High Town for a second season. Speaking of love life, HBO Max has confirmed it will deliver a second season of that as well. If they do, I want it to be a different main character. I think that should be an anthology series. Yeah, that would be a good way of doing it. Um, Second season of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist will be coming to NBC. That's because it canceled Perfect Harmony, like I called last week. (laughs) Yes. The Sinner on USA Network has been renewed for a fourth season. ABC is bringing back For Life for a second season. The Baker and the Beauty on ABC. Canceled after one season. Bluff City Law. Canceled on NBC after one season. You called that one. Yep. Indebted. Canceled after one season on NBC. Called that. And Sunnyside. Thank God. Canceled after one season on NBC. Oh, finally on the bubble for so long. Officially yeah. canceled. NBC, however, is bringing back Manifest, Aren't You Happy, for a third season. Yeah, Wonder Twins, Activate. Back, back. And NBC will be bringing back forever favorite, The Voice, for a 19th season. It will never end. As long as those chairs keep spinning. Yep, those chairs will spin for eternity. Let's flip it. No deaths. Let's talk about music. It's your turn to talk about the Billboard charts. All right. I want to start music with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. All right. Your hottest song this week, Rockstar by The Baby, featuring Roddy Rich. Number two, Savage by Megan The Stallion and Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three, Blinding Lights. By the weekend. Number four, Say So by Doja Cat and Nicki Minaj. And your new entry Only at number new five. Song top five this week. At number five, Intentions by Justin Bieber featuring Quavo. Quavo? It's Quavo. Quavo? Uh, I've. Yeah, because he was part of the NBA All-Star Game, so they said its name constantly. Oh, okay, then yes. So it's Quavo. I've sure. only heard Quavo. I don't know where you're getting Quavo. I've heard Quavo, but if they're saying Quavo... It's, Siri yeah. is saying it wrong to you. Maybe. Uh, as for your album's chart, your Billboard 200. Yep. With that new number one, with My Turn by Little Baby. <laughs> At number two, dropping, uh, is Chromatica by Lady Gaga. At number three, Wanna by Gunna. Mm-hmm. At number four, High Off Life by Future. And at number five, Dark Lane Demo Tapes by Drake. Yep, crept right back into the top five after a week out. 
Well, when you have uh, Jimmy Buffett having a one-week wonder there. Important to wit, uh, to note that uh, first time in a, a few weeks here, so, uh, the Billboard 200 does uh, top five has no new releases. No, nothing that came out last week charted in the top five. Hmm. Disappointing. Not since January or February or whatever. All right. But what is new this week? Well, if you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. Okay. What do you got? All right. We have Rough and Rowdy Ways by Bob Dylan. For his uh, first uh, album of new material in eight years. I also saw it getting 100% everywhere. Maybe check it out. We'll see. Uh, we also have Shadow Offerings by Braids. I will be listening to this. Not to be confused with Raids Shadow Legends. <laughs> no, it's not a mobile game. <laughs> uh, we also have Somewhere by Gum Country. I will also be checking this one out. Look for the Good by Jason Mraz. Yeah, yes. remember Jason Mraz? That Jason Mraz. So get some ukuleles out for this. Uh, we also have <laughs> Lamb of God by Lamb of God. Yeah, a self-titled. Uh, Homegrown by Neil Young. Yes, that yeah. Neil Young. Well, this one is notable because it is technically a record that was that he recorded and was planning to release in the 1970s that was shelved and is now finally being released. You know, I also have product in my company that has been shelved and is just now being released. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. I know exactly what all this is. Like, oh, this was never launched? Okay, guess we should launch it. <laughs> <laughs> guess we should do something about this. I like Christy's face. She definitely thought you were making a double entendre with that. Did <laughs> you definitely launch it? No, just like, I have material I haven't released. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to know about your release material. <laughs> not my release schedule. Yeah, we don't need to, no. Speaking what else? Of things being released, Punisher <laughs> by Phoebe Bridgers. I will be listening to this as well. Me too. Yeah. And lastly, The Album. Yes, that's what it's called. The Album mm-hmm. by Tayana Taylor. Yeah, this was like announced like literally three days ago out of nowhere. It was a bit of a surprise. And just called the album? And yeah, she's just calling it the album and she has a bunch of guest stars on it. Yay. There you go. Guest stars. Nice. All right, so let's move into music news. Music news. All right, we start with Adam Schlesinger. Yep. A tribute album to Adam Schlesinger being released today on Bandcamp includes cover songs by two actors who collaborated with the late songwriter on projects. Name those two. No, I'm just going to tell you. It's, <laughs> it's Rachel Bloom and Sarah Silverman. Yeah. As well as contemporaries of Schlesinger's from the rock world like Kay Hanley, Not a Surf, and Tanya Donnelly. Hey, did you get your Not A Surf shirt yet, Christy? It's coming on Saturday. Should I get a Not A Surf shirt? I don't know. Do you like Not A Surf? 
No, but <laughs> I don't know how to surf. <laughs> I get it. Very funny. Anyway. Is it, that's an elbow slapper? Yeah. Slap my elbow. Uh, saving for a custom van, uh, which takes its name from the title track of the essential Fountains of Wayne album, Utopia Parkway, is a 31-track collection that covers the breadth of Schlesinger's performing and songwriting career. Besides familiar Fountains of Wayne songs from the late 90s and 2000s, the collection also includes songs from his six-season run as the core house writer for TV's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the films, music and lyrics, and That Thing You Do. Mm-hmm. And Schlesinger's other long-standing band, Ivy. Even two of the songs he wrote for Josie and the Pussycats figure into the extensive track list. So this is a comprehensive oh, yeah. track list. And it's also important to note that proceeds for this are going to uh, foundations uh, to help people affected by COVID-19. So it, it was going directly to a good cause and is in honor of uh, the late Adam Schlesinger. So, Christy, you listened to some of this today. I did yesterday, yeah. Uh, yesterday. Yeah. How are they? How are the songs? It's good, it's good dude. Motion City's on it. Um, my favorite band, Motion <laughs> City Soundtrack. Um, and Charlie Bliss does a Josie and the Pussycat song. It's you really great. It. That that's Charlie that's Bliss? Part. Yes, that Charlie Bliss. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah is, so go buy it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really good uh, little find here. Bandcamp? Yeah, it, it seems like a neat collection of stuff. I'm, I'm going to check it out for sure. Is this, uh, you said this is on Bandcamp, right? Bandcamp. Bandcamp. All right. Do we have a price for this? Um, I don't know. Uh, Bandcamp typically operates a, in a pay-what-you-want model. There's usually a suggested base pro- uh, a price, but then you can uh, donate more if you want. So, um, so yeah, I encourage, since this is going to a great cause, uh, I encourage uh, people who do uh, pay more than usual for it uh, because it's, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. Also, if you wait until Friday uh, to purchase this, Bandcamp is doing another special event on Friday. Um, last week they did a proceeds going to, um, like certain, uh, like, I think that was up to the, the label. I think different labels were doing proceeds for certain foundations this week though, Bandcamp in, instead of taking their share that they typically take their percentage, they're going to donate that to the NAACP, uh, fund. Ooh. So in honor so of that. Uh, buy it on Friday. So yeah, if you're going to buy this, I recommend buying it on Friday. Yeah. Oh yeah, Juneteenth is Friday. Juneteenth, yes. So so, yeah, check that out. All right, I probably will. Um, Also in music news, we have a follow-up story to that Tencent Warner music. Yeah, it happened. IPO. Well, yeah, the 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 too long didn't read version of it is the thing that I said was going to happen happened. The thing that we were talking about happened happened. Yeah. Yeah, so Tencent Music Entertainment and its parent company, Tencent Holdings, together have acquired a stake in Warner Music Group worth $200 million. They each hold 5.2% of 
of total outstanding Class A common stocks in Warner Music Group, according to the SEC filings. Quote, we invested in Warner because of the positive outlook for the global music market and our aim of working closely with labels to drive the pace for streaming models in China. Uh, the deal, while amounting to a relatively small percentage of Warner's value, which is estimated around $16 billion, gives Tencent a stake in two of the world's three major label groups. I yeah. believe they're also in uh, UMG, correct? Yes. The, the rest of the article went into more in depth about which ones those are, but I figured you would have been able to figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the thing that we said was going to happen happened. I mean, it's just further proof that they're, they're getting their tendrils into literally every media conglomerate they can. Right. Now, they hold 10% of that company, though, so it's not a majority stake. It's not like they're being no. run. It just puts them in the equation, basically. It allows them to have at least some sort of presence. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Yeah, I had to, in the backwards way, talk about this uh, with people about TikTok and how their yeah. holdings in that. <laughs> yep, everywhere. All right. Yeah. See, I thought your other story, the other story, like us real briefly, was that uh, Lady uh, Antebellum changed their name. So that ended up being a very complicated story in the end of the day. Yeah, because there's already a Lady A singer. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, to briefly bring it up. Uh, so, yeah, in the wake of kind of the, the uh, outcries over racial injustice over the last few weeks, over mm -hmm. the death of George Floyd and all the protests, um, so there was kind of pressure, a little bit more pressure on these artists and institutions that have these names that maybe are based in some, maybe some racial gray areas, uh, especially pertaining to the, the Civil War. And of course, Lady Antebellum is named after the Antebellum period. And um, yeah, people have in the past kind of pointed out that maybe that's not the best name. So they finally announced that they would be changing their name just to Lady A, because that's what fans call them anyways. It was already their nickname. Except a uh, artist, also going by the name Lady A, uh, went on basically social media to say, hey, they didn't contact me about this. They didn't even reach out to me about this. It's messed up that these three uh, pe white people would not reach out to me about the fact that I'm already recording under the name Lady A. They also probably didn't know that there's already probably artists didn't out there. Know about Lady A, but they should have, let's real, done the research because she does not seem to be that independent of an artist. She mm -hmm. seemed to have been recording for decades. So um, ultimately, since that happened, they did indeed meet up digitally and have a discussion. And although no decision seemed to be made about them both being Lady A, um, it did seem like one of, the, one of them, I don't know if it was Lady A or a member of Lady A. Uh, see why this is confusing? Yes. Um, one of them said that there, it was a good experience and that they learned from each other and that they're moving on. So. We'll see. So there's not going to be Lady A right. singer and Lady A group? <laughs> they must have figured out a way to differentiate them. I don't know what that will be, but just another weird-ass story from the year 2020. One of them should be Sandy Lady A. <laughs> that joke is for like five people, but I'll take it. 
Thank you. Also, he dropped the Sandy this week. I don't know if you saw that headline. He's now just <laughs> Alex G again. What about the other one? I don't know. He's just Alex <laughs> G now, so I don't know what's going to happen there. It's very confusing. Anyway. Maybe the first Alex G died and Sandy Alex G was like, finally, I am the only Alex G. <laughs> He's Highlandered the other Alex G. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. nobody knows what we're talking about. No one knows. <laughs> you can keep going now. Well, uh, that was it for music stories. Yes, with thoughts. Yeah, just a quick thought. Uh, the fourth Run the Jewels album came out last week. Yes, it uh, came out a couple weeks ago, and you listened to it. Yeah. Did I, wait, did I already talk about it? No, I'm just saying that it came out a couple weeks ago, but we never talked about it. Yeah, I don't think we talked about it. Uh, but, but I did listen to it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's real good. If you like them, um, this is, um, I don't know if it's quite as good as RTJ2, the second one, um, but it's up there. Um, it's really good timing too, because there's a really some a couple great uh, tracks on there that are specifically um, kind of dwelling on race and these um, like the 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 police violence and I mean yeah you know what you're getting into if you've ever heard Run the Jewels before um, but yeah it's an especially good Run the Jewels record so I I encourage people to check it out. That's, okay, that's all I got. Yeah, I think about two weeks ago, like after he did the his big speech. It was shortly after that, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was last week. Really? Is time really moving that weirdly where I can't even remember what happens in each week? Like, what the hell? Yeah, because I don't remember it being a part of the new releases last week. I thought it was two weeks ago, too, but maybe I'm losing my mind. Maybe it was two weeks ago, and I just forgot about it last week's show. Maybe. Anyway. Oh, yeah, because I think it came out with Chromatica. Yeah, that's right. That was two weeks ago. Anyway, let's talk about video games. Oh, we got some stuff to talk about in video games. Let me tell you. All right, let's, let's do it quickly. All right. Uh, we have new releases in video games, including yes. Burnout Paradise Remastered for the Switch. Yeah, it's been out on the Switch version. Uh, we also have The Last of Us Part 2. Yep. Or a PlayStation coming out on Friday. All right. PSA about this. This is your big release for next week. We will be talking about it next week uh, since we will not have played it before uh, Friday. You will be buying this. You will be playing this. I will not be. I have made finally the decision. I will not be playing The Last of Us Part Two. I am not in the frame of mind for it. Yeah. Um, your whole big thoughts will be next week. I'm currently playing through the, first the last of us part one i guess yeah. we have to call it now. part one retroactively yeah yes of currently playing through the last of us i'm at the section where joel wakes up in the cabin alone uh right after the ellie part the ellie solo adventure yeah so i have about uh, i want to say a third of the way left yeah you're, you're pretty close by the time you play as ellie you're pretty much almost done with that game so yeah yeah, so my plan is to kind of finish it today mm-hmm. and then whatever I don't have tomorrow before 9 o'clock hits. Before 9 when the, it lets you pre when, when it unlocks. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to play this. I'm probably going to stream it. Yeah, I might watch uh, your stream because I want to I see this. I just don't want to play it. 
Right. <laughs> that makes any sense. Yeah, it's going to be... Uh, wait, are we going to do this on YouTube? Yeah, do it on YouTube. Which, um, okay, YouTube. Just so we can avoid having to use friggin' Amazon. All right. Uh, but yeah, um, so far it's been getting good reviews. I'll be playing it. Um, well, mixed, mixed reviews. Mixed. I see. I. It seems like the people I trust are all panning it, and everybody else is giving a ten. So I don't know. Your, your mileage may vary. Yeah, your reviews may vary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. But we'll have our own thoughts on it. Yes. At least my own thoughts on it next week. Report back. Yep. But we have other releases. Yes. Including Little Town Hero for the PlayStation mm-hmm. and SpongeBob SquarePants colon Battle for Bikini Bottom rehydrated for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. The remaster nobody asked for is here. I never played this one. I played one of the SpongeBob games on GameCube, but this one I did not play. No, is this the one where he becomes the SpongeBob Plus? Rated? I, maybe. Again, I didn't play it. I remember seeing a lot. I remember seeing the box at Blockbuster and I never rented it. Well, if you want to battle for Bikini Bottom, it is available everywhere. <laughs> I do not want to do that. Okay. It's time. What about Best Friend Forever? Oh, what about yeah. That's best friend? Of, that wasn't on the release list on Metacritic. But yes, uh, Best Friends Forever, uh, which is a dog-themed dating game um, that is available on Switch and PC this week. Um, You don't date the dogs, you date their owners. But yes, uh, we will be checking that out. We'll have thoughts. That'll be your palate cleanser after Last of Us 2 talk next week. uh, uh, We'll talk about some uh, dog dating. (laughs) Some puppy dating? Puppy love? Yep, some puppy love. Yes, perfect. All right. We got to talk about it. All right, so we've we've gone through the whole episode. We talked about it last week. We talked about two weeks ago. We said it was coming. Okay, it's here. Okay, finally came. So here's PlayStation Five. PlayStation Five. Sony showed it all. So here's how we're gonna do it. How I like we're gonna do it. How we did the Microsoft event, where you're gonna say a thing, and then we're talk about what we thought about it. All right. First up. They did the actual reveal of the box last. You want to talk about that first? Yeah, I have. If this is not in chronological order, it's mo- more or less in. It's yeah, it's not in any particular order. It's All right, just, so let's talk about the design first. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the box first. All right. Do you like it? It's white. It's black. It's kind of black and white and red all over. Kind of like a reverse Oreo. It's like a white fudge Oreo. I mean, it is an Oreo where it's got white in the middle and black on the... No, it's, it's black in the middle and white <laughs> on the outside. See, it's a reverse Oreo. Yeah. It's a vanilla, a golden Oreo. Golden Oreo. Um, oh, I think golden Oreo is still white on the middle. Yeah, never mind. None of this... This is a bad metaphor. Anyway... Um, it's a ding-dong. It's a ding-dong. No, it's a reverse ding-dong. <laughs> That's also wrong. It's, it's a, a zebra cake. Ding-dong. No, it's a fudge-filled zebra cake. <laughs> Anyways, it also looks like a router. Yes, uh, that has been pointed out. It also looks like Seto Kaiba's coat. It also <laughs> it looks like a guy with a popped collar at the club. Yeah, uh, yeah looks like Godzilla. <laughs> so, do you like it? It's growing on me. I think I like its 
design aesthetically, I think it definitely stands out from yeah. everything that's out there right now, especially Microsoft's black box. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of standing out and in terms of design looking cool, yes, it looks cool. It looks interesting. It looks futuristic, kind of like when the PS3 came out, was revealed. Yeah, that's true. That it had that futuristic look to it. Um, so the next question then is, so there's going to be two versions of this thing, a version with a disk drive and one without. So when, when and if uh, you buy one of these things, Will you be getting it disc or discless? Uh, I always wait a year to get it, um, or at least until like a major release that I need to play something on it. Major release. Um, which, by the looks of it, is probably going to come sooner than rather than later. We'll, get, <laughs> we'll into, get into, but we'll get into that. Uh, but I, I am leaning towards disc less. Okay. Mainly because uh, like for the past several games, I have purchased disc less for the instant stuff rather than purchasing it like, physically. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do like the advantages of having something physical to have, to play, to yeah. physically own forever. That's kind of how I am right now. I'm leaning actually towards disc uh, because... Um, I have now that I have a 4K TV, I like the idea of having the a top of the line 4K Blu-ray player. Because mm-hmm. like the Xbox One X I have now does that, but I bet that the drive in this one will be better, just by time. So like, I think I'll probably lean towards disc just because of it'll be a media player at that point. It won't just be video games, but right, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I do lean towards it having disc less or having a disc. Rather than discless, but then I think about like, oh, my per- recent purchases have just been straight downloaded. Right, I pretty much just buy games digital now. So right. So I, like I said, I'm going back and forth. By the time like it actually comes out, who knows? Yeah, who knows where I'll be? Yeah, or like by the time actually like not comes out, by the time like actually like go to to buy one, I'll have a better idea of what I want. Right, because like right now everything like digitally that I would watch is streaming yeah but then again that can change too should like i get 4k tv like you yeah you should all right should let's talk about the games all right well they surprised everyone by showing gta as the first thing (gasps) really yes a brand new gta remaster on a new console so yeah they opened this thing like i know you're not supposed to start the show with a showstopper but they really didn't because they just said hey gta 5 still exists hey remember that from the ps3 like we still got it and online is free when you buy a ps5 now and eventually we're going to redo the campaign and make it look shiny yeah i had to constantly point that out that no this is a ps3 game So it's it's one of those rare games though that you can play on three different console generations. So there's that. So it got the Kingdom Hearts treatment. You got the Kingdom Hearts treatment. But then actual games happen. Yes, but then like actual like PlayStation Studios, which they announced and yes. showed the logo for, happened. 
um, including Marvel's Spider-Man, colon, Miles Morales. Yes. Which had a lot of confusion after it was launched. Okay, so here's the bit. Here's the deal. So they showed, the trailer they showed made it seem like it was a sequel to the PS4 Spider-Man game starring Miles Morales, which, of course, if you played that first game, he was in it, but he wasn't the main character. And by the end of it, it was suggested that he would be, be basically be trained by Peter Parker to become a proper Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, so fans got excited, of course, like to have a full Spider-Man game uh, with Miles Morales as the Spider-Man. But then some PR guy at Sony uh, did an interview in which he mistakenly said that this was a remaster of the first game with new content. So Insomniac had to go out on social, the developer of the game, had to go out on uh, social media basically to say, that's not true. This is not a remaster. This is a standalone game. So here's how I'm choosing to interpret this. And this is based on educational guesses from Insomniac's past. Infamous that, Last Light. Yeah, this is their Infamous Last Light. Ever. So Infamous Last Light was a standalone smaller game that they released after Infamous Second Sun, which was a PS4 launch game. Mm -hmm. So this is that. This is a short version. It will just be a Miles Morales story in probably a lot of the same locations as the first game. So that way they can reuse some assets, but gussy them up with Fleet PS5. And it's a nice like, like half step to get us to a Spider-Man 2 that will probably happen in 2022. This is something that Insomniac has done for each console generation. For the PS3, it was Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus. Yes. Which was their half step of a all PSN exclusive digital download game. This is also how this thing makes it to launch because that's one thing is this is the only, I believe, game that they specifically said was holiday 2020 on this mm -hmm. entire show. Yeah. So this is, it has to be a much smaller project if it's going to be done by November. Well, like you said, they're going to reuse a lot of assets, which they already have. They're going to showcase the speed of the PS5 and its lack of load times. Right. Or diminished load times. But yeah. Okay. Speaking of Insomniac. Speaking of Insomniac and speaking of Ratchet and Clank, a new Ratchet and Clank game. Uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. So, speaking purely of what they've promised about the hard drive, the SSD on this PlayStation 5, and what it's going to do to change games, this was the best demo they could have possibly asked for to show that off. This is their knack. Yeah, this is the game, because the mechanic of we literally can send you through a portal and you're immediately in a brand new place shows off that the no load times thing perfectly. Like, this is the way you show off that technology. And I think this looks rad. And the whole time I was thinking about like, oh man, Mike must be so excited because I know you're a huge Ratchet and Clank fan. This was a really beautiful looking Ratchet and Clank with a really cool new mechanic that seems like a really, really cool game. Yes, it also seemed like the only game that they showed off that had actual gameplay, gameplay. footage. Well, this and Gran Turismo. Uh, yeah, I guess you know, Gran Turismo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this felt like it was a completely, like, at least three quarters of the way to completion game from yeah. what they showed 
but yeah, the instant jumping to planets and the instant um, world building that they have, especially with the Ratchet and Clank franchise that they can use. Yeah. And the weapons that they can manufacture. Cool stuff. This is the, this is the PS5 demo that they oh. want. Yeah. They I want people su- to attach to. I'd be surprised if this doesn't... Like, I want this to be a launch game. I think they could do it, but I feel like if it does get delayed, this will be a good, like, March 2021 game. Like, really early spring, like, Q1 kind of thing. I want to say this that the PlayStation will launch in October, but you won't see this game till probably December. Or, yeah, maybe a couple months, yeah. Mm-hmm. Regardless, or, like you said, if it gets pushed to March. Regardless, I think it was one of the better games that they showed off at this thing. I think it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the games that will drive people to buy a PS5 because Ratchet and Clank has that yeah that name factor for it. I mean, yeah, it's it's now it's going to be this is the third, fourth, fourth generation PlayStation that this series has been on. Started on PS2, right? Yeah, PS2. Yeah, so pretty cool. Yep. All right, next. Next, uh, speaking of, uh, you just mentioned they announced a new Gran Turismo. Yes. Gran Turismo 7, which yeah. they also showed gameplay for. Yeah, this looks like a Gran Turismo game. Not a whole lot more to talk about really here. I mean, it's a racing game. The cars look really nice and shiny. The lighting engine looks pretty cool. And yeah, this game is probably going to be rad in 4K. Um, I want to see if someone stitched together, like, since they always used Gran Turismo as a launch game for the next console, I want someone to stitch together all the Gran Turismo trailers for launches yeah they all to show the progression oh yeah no i'm sure on youtube you could probably watch somebody all gran turismo said ultra gran turismo trailers 1998 to 2020 i'm sure that exists yeah probably anyway yeah uh we also have demon souls remake yeah so since the souls games are super popular now and nobody remembers the first one demon souls they're uh, putting it out again. Uh, but from what I understand, fans are kind of mad because it looks different, I guess, in the designs. But, like, what do you expect? That game was a early PS3 game. Yeah, people were confused. Like, oh, what is this? Is this a sequel? Like, everything looks new and fresh. Nope, just remaster. It's a remaster. So people who like Souls games are excited. Uh, then we also had uh, NBA 2K21 reveal. Which You're jumping all what? over the place. Yeah, well, you know, I'm saving like, all the actual new stuff. Okay. The NBA thing is they showed a really sweaty basketball player. That's pretty much all I remember. They showed from. sweaty Zion Williams. Oh, that's what that was Zion. Okay. So yes, he was that was the, the prophet Zion Williams. He was extremely, extremely sweaty. Yes, he sweats a lot. He <laughs> sweats a lot. So yeah, Christy, if you want to see a sweaty vi- virtual basketball player, look this up. I'm there. <laughs> anyway, next up. Anyways, uh, now we get to like all the new stuff they were going to talk that they yes. talked about. Um, first up, bug snacks. Bug snacks. Do, 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 bug snacks. That song is so catchy. 
I really loved this trailer. I don't know what the hell this game is. I thought it was going to be a cloudy with a chance of meatballs yeah, you spin eat off the thing. Bug snacks, and then you become the bug snack. So, what you eat, you are what you eat. So, like, that is a great premise. Yeah, the example that they showed was a character eats a strawberry bug snack, and her arm becomes strawberries. It right. sounds like a drug trip, in a way. The character eats a hot dog and has hot dog fingers. Weenie <laughs> arms, as he calls them later in the trailer. But yeah, I thought this looked really cute. I got like Viva Pinata vibes from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see what, hap- what what this game actually is when it comes out. Yeah. Uh, we also had Goodbye Volcano High, which when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is totally up Matt's alley. Oh yeah, no, I want to play the hell out of this. It's <laughs> dinosaur high school drama. And presumably the meteor is going to hit. So they're all going to die. It's is that like, what it is? Yeah, I mean, the meteor is in the logo of the game. It's also called Goodbye Volcano High. I want to say the stakes are pretty high in this thing. <laughs> Extinction is going to happen. But yeah, I, I love freaking like these like visual novel style games, which I'll get to later in this podcast. Um, so I'm excited to... Uh, to see what this thing is. It looks like a really cool animation style to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Jet Colon, The Far Shore. So yeah, this thing is like a space exploration game. It looked like a kind of also, almost like a third person uh, take on like a No Man's Sky kind of thing. It's by a, a development studio called Super Brothers, who those uh, who go back a few uh, like a years in the game scene will remember for our a really early iPad game in 2011 called Sword and Sorcery. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of went off the map for about a decade there, but they're back with this thing. I don't know. It doesn't seem like my jam, but I guess uh, people who want a cool-looking sci-fi game, this might be neat. Yeah, it wasn't my jam either. I was confused yeah. of what the name was at first, like Jeff? It looked like Jeff. It looked like Jeff. And I was yes. like, hey, Jeff. <laughs> uh, but a game I was interested in when I saw it, Kina, colon, The Bridge of Spirits. Yeah, so this is apparently by a studio that does a lot of animation, primarily. And this is their first video game. And it looks like a Studio Ghibli-inspired kind of cel-shaded-ish, like, adventure game. And it looks, it's a really cool art style. It's Pikmin. And it looks like kind of like Pikmin, yes. It's Pikmin with cool sorcery powers. Yeah. And I'm interested in it. Looks yeah. Cool. The trailers seem neat. And I like, like I said, I like the art style. Uh, we also have Little Devil Inside. Yeah. This looked like a cartoony monster hunter. In a way. Yeah. The trailer kind of went back and forth between monster hunter yeah. and weird kooky guy. Oh, yeah. And there's the, the old man poops into a toilet at one point. Yeah. I know. I thought the style, I thought it was very stylized. It's, yeah, it looked neat, but like. But also something that could come out this generation. Yeah, exactly. Like, that didn't really hook me. Also, I don't really care for Monster Hunter. So the bits that looked like Monster Hunter, I was like, no thanks. All right. Uh, we also got a new Oddworld, Oddworld colon Soulstrom. So you were a PlayStation kid. Did you play any of the. I did Oddworld? not play any Oddworlds. Okay. I. Remember going to a friend's house back in the day and watching him play an off-world game. That's literally my 
the extent of my odd world knowledge. So okay. I don't know. Some people are probably really excited for this. Okay. Uh, we also have the pathless. I don't remember what this one is. Do you remember what this one is? I, I think you made this one up. <laughs> it was on the list. Yeah, you made this one up then. Uh, we also have Solar Ash. Solar Ash. This is the one by the Hyper Light Drifter developer that looks like you're like a space kid anti-grav roller skating around, which looks mm-hmm. pretty neat. Yeah, anti-grav roller skates. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, we also have Stray, which you're a cat. This is the cat game. The cat I'm game Stray. I'm so excited. As soon as I realized that you that this game was from the perspective of the cat, I started freaking out. I was like, cat game, cat game. So yeah, it's like it looks like a dystopia. With You're a cat in a robot world. Robot dystopia. Something's happened. Humans are dead, according to the wall graffiti. And um, it's just robots, and you are a cat with a backpack. Backpack cat. Yeah, I wonder... This game makes me wonder, like, how vast and detailed a world can get yeah. with the PS5. I mean, we'll find out. And we'll find out. I won't play as that cat. I know you do. Uh, we also have Ghostwire colon Tokyo. So Ghostwire Tokyo was actually revealed at E3 last year, I want to yeah. say. This is the first, like, gameplay footage we're seeing of it. It's like a first-person Bioshocky looking thing. Yeah, but it takes place in the streets of Tokyo. Yeah, and you have like weird hand powers. You do kind of like a little hand jive and like stuff happens. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, not that hand jive. I know what you're thinking. I was born <laughs> to hand jive, comma, baby. Baby. <laughs> there, she's got it. How does it go? Yeah, that's it. Don't know the hand jive. It's the hand jive. Anyway. Anyways, uh, we also have something called Project Athia. This was the Square Enix thing um, that was right now is just like the name implies a project. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some sort of cool looking heroine jumping over valleys and stuff. I guess uh, screenwriter uh, Gary Whitta is involved in this. Uh, Apparently he's involved in the writing for this. He wrote Rogue One. Okay. Um, But yeah, I don't know anything beyond it. It looks like it's really early. Yeah. Too early in development. Uh, people, some Pitman people were saying, 3. like, is this Final Fantasy 16? I'm like, no, this is not Final Fantasy 16. No, we also have Hitman 3, uh, conclusion to that trilogy. Yep, another Hitman game. And they say we have gameplay. And where to go? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a Hitman game. You know what that game is going to look like. Yeah. Uh, we also have Pragmata. Yeah. This one I thought was the worst trailer in the entire show. This it's is like. The- the spaceman one walking through fake new uh, uh t- times square sees little girl and i guess gets summoned i i don't know this is what prey fear control something like, up those it, lines it just looks super generic to me i the the times square reminded me of a map in modern warfare so that was distracting and i was just mm-hmm. like this is just I don't know what this is, and I'm not interested. Too many mystery boxes to unpack. Yeah, also, it, it gave me a little bit of Death Stranding vibes. Yeah. I was like, I don't need another one of those. All right. And lastly, we have three games that are the games that I most want to talk about. Okay, cool. Okay. First, Resident Evil 8, or Village. Yeah. 
V I I I I guess. Um, so yeah, this is the new Resident Evil. This is the sequel to Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, which was the VR Resident Evil. Yep. This, I don't know if it's VR, but it is first person. Yeah, I don't think it is VR, but... Or at least they're not Resident talking Evil. about the VR. Yeah. There's really little talk of VR in it. And even when they did like zero. a showcase. Yeah, zero talk of VR. There when they no- say, oh, look at all these accessories for it. VR was not among them. Not on it. My, um, my guess for that is that'll be a separate reveal. Well, yeah, I wonder also if it'll be something that won't be hooked into the PlayStation. I bet it's wireless. It has to be they wireless, can't. right? We're, we're in a new generation where it has to be wireless. We live in the post-Oculus Quest world. Yep. They can't go back to a bunch of USB cables. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Anyways, yeah, Resident Evil. Interesting. Yeah, it's a Resident Evil good. Yep, new Resident Evil. And then we also have Deathloop, which I I like time travel stuff. Yeah, it's a cool premise too. I really like the idea of having your character constantly being stalked by another sniping character and having to deal with the dynamic of that. Like I, I read something about uh, the developer compared it to the, the anxiety of a multiplayer game knowing that somebody's always kind of got your, got your, like, like is on you. And like putting that into a single player game could be potentially really cool. Also, you'll be able to play as that person as well. So you can kind of like have like a different perspective of the game. Otherwise it looks like a lot of Arcane's other stuff, like the Dishonored games, looks like it borrows a lot of mechanics from that. Yeah, I know that there's other games out there that do like respawns mm-hmm. of deaths. Right back into it, but the the stylized version of it, like it looks like kind yeah. of wet, like a Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Wow, that's a deep cut. I haven't thought about the video game wet in a long time. Yeah. You might be the only person who remembers the video game wet. Because <laughs> it reminded me of a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, no, it's a very, it's a grind a sixties grindhouse kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, Christy, they named a video game wet. You know, like a gun. What? I'm sorry to tell you about this. Gross. The game was not itself wet, but you did play as a heroine. Yeah, it, it was a. It, you played as a woman. I know. Don't think about it too much. Anyways. Anyways, last game they revealed. Well, it wasn't the last game they revealed, but it was also the last game that everyone was talking about. Though. Yeah, last game we're gonna talk about. Yeah, and also yeah. the last game that everyone on the internet seemed to be talking about, at which point everything about that game got dissected almost immediately, so we know everything about that game. It's done, it's complete, we don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, sequel to Horizon... Uh, Zero wait, Dawn. Zero Dawn. I was like, what the hell is that game called? Zero Dawn, thank you. Which you we both played, which you which finished. I did not want to play. You remember me not wanting yeah. to play that game. Yeah, we swapped on that one really hard. I bounced off of it, and you finished it. I 100%ed it. I platinumed yeah. that thing. So this looks cool. Uh, this looks like everything you'd want in a sequel. It looks really pretty. There's like new environments. There's swimming mechanics now. Uh, Aloy looks bad badass because, of course, she does. Um, yeah, it looks like a real cool sequel. Yeah. 
the yeah, like I said, there's swimming mechanics. There's underwater cities, mm-hmm. or San Francisco is partially underwater. Yeah, freaking underwater San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that seems like it goes west from where the game took place, which is in Colorado, Rockies into the desert. Hence the area. name Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, like after like it came out, I waited a day. For everyone to basically tell me what this means. Yeah. So now I know what, exactly what it means. I know because I haven't played that game in like three years. Wow. Probably more. I don't know when that. I game bet that out. game looks really cool on a 4K TV. I should actually give that a spin. Yeah, so. I should actually like come over and play it someday. <laughs> someday. When we're someday. Um, I just want to point out real quick. There is a game you skipped, and it makes sense why you skipped it. Because there's literally nothing that good I want to say about Gearbox's Godfall. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I feel like we gave it the right amount of time by totally skipping it. It's the, that's their hack and slash looter that they're trying to sell. I would have liked it if they had a different probably song attached to it everybody's saying that i remember that one stuck out like a sore thumb and somebody finally put into words what i was thinking while i was watching it somebody on a podcast said it's like they used a song from five years ago and i'm like that's totally it every trailer had a song like that five years ago and we've moved on and they haven't Mm -hmm. that's what it was you're right but yeah that game looks okay i don't know yep but anyways, there's a, that was a lot of games announced for the PS5. So overall, I mean, I thought it was a really good showing. Like, I thought yeah. that it was really strong stuff that they showed from all sorts of different genres that appealed to all sorts of different people. And that's the good move because it made the opposite impression of the Microsoft thing. The Microsoft thing was like, oh, man, they really, like, have this laser targeted at a specific audience. And this was not that. Right. There's a little bit of everything for everyone here. Yeah. And then, yeah, Microsoft was like, we know what you want us to produce, or so we're just going to produce that for you. Give you exactly what you think this is. And <laughs> only had the surprises. Like, they actually legitimately surprised me. So, good show. Yep. But we got to move on. We have to. Uh, let's go through the next news. All one. right. So, this week was supposed to be E3 week. Yeah. This would have been E3 in a normal year. Yeah. So we said we got some video game bits of people, including Pokemon announcements this morning. Yes, this morning. Uh, including Pokemon event reveals for new Pokemon Snap for the Switch. Hell yeah! New finally. Pokemon Snap. 20 years later, there will be a sequel to Pokemon Snap. Excited for this. Yes. I hope they use the gyroscope inside the Switch That's to move right. around and take pics. Oh man, that would be so good on the light. Yeah. I think you gotta have to with the light. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to take pictures of Pokies. Yeah, she ah! played the first one, so this will be her first experience with Pokemon Snap. Ooh. You, so, like, yeah, you gotta, like, do. throw the fruit so they do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yay. And, and like, balls. evolve and, like, wait for the Magnetons to all get together to evolve yeah. together. Yeah. Because if you do that, they unlock the secret level in that one cave. Yep. Yeah. Pokemon Snap is a good game. Anyway. Uh, they also announced uh, Pokemon Cafe Mix. Yeah. Which is a cooking 
Yeah, it's you're like cooking a mobile, Pokemon? mobile puzzle game, and it looks like there's like a stirring mechanic. It's like you're kind of like stirring the same Pokemon icons to like match for combos, and it makes a, like a coffee drink for your Pokemon who's busy. Yeah, this one's for mobile and, and the Switch. Switch. Yeah, looks cool. I'm, I'm going to check this out. You can do like customize your cafe and make Pokemon your staff, and it just seems adorable. And they're really cute. They're wearing little hats and ties. So cute. Burger cushion. And then we also have Pokemon Smile for mobile. So you've played this already. So this is a free app that is supposed to help people brush their teeth correctly. It's for kids. It's meant for kids, but I downloaded it anyways. No, it's okay. Christy Me too. We both played this. <laughs> we'll talk about that at the end here. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll catch the stuff. Uh, other stuff include PAX West, finally canceled. Yeah, PAX West and Australia, both canceled and are going to be replaced with digital events. Yep. Uh, Kingdom Hearts announced a new game, Melody of Memory, which is a rhythm game. I don't know who's more excited about this, you or me, because it's Kingdom Hearts, but it's a rhythm game. And... This actually might be the thing that gets me to play it, Kingdom Hearts game. The music is the best part of Kingdom Hearts, and I'm going to be playing this on the Switch. I just love rhythm games, and I'll totally <laughs> play this. So. Uh, we also have itch.io bundle for racial justice uh, and equality, which raised $8 million. So yeah, this, this kind of all happened within the week. Um, they launched this as a, uh, a fundraiser for a couple of different uh, like Black Lives Matter tangential uh, related uh, fundraisers. And in a week, raised $8 million, which is, I believe, uh, according to them, a new record for highest raised by a bundle like this and also the most games included in a bundle like this. Because I don't know if you saw this, but... 1,700 games were in this bundle. Right, this was like the $5 bundle we talked about last week. Yeah, it's huge. So yeah, uh, we both purchased this, uh, Christy and I, so we'll talk about some of those games in a moment. But yeah, uh, it was a great deal. If you missed it, you really missed out. All right, let's get, rid of, let's get through the rest of these bits here so we get to that. Yes. Including Nintendo launches free jump rope challenge. Yeah, on the Switch. On the Switch. Uh, Night in the Woods devs, The Glory Society, teased new game. Yeah, no, no, no idea what it is yet. They showed like a teaser image, but I loved Night in the Woods, so I am totally stoked for whatever they have next. Also, Night in the Woods was a game, was a, uh, on that uh, bundle. So if you bought that bundle, absolutely play that game. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Star War, EA announced Star Wars Squadrons. Well, it was released. And, and, and then released. Yeah, yeah they, it leaked and then they had to announce it. It was originally supposed to be launched tomorrow at the EA event that's planned for tomorrow evening. Uh, there'll be gameplay footage during that event. Yeah. It's kind of like the Rogue Squadron games. Yeah. Uh, we also have Persona 4 Golden surprise release on the PC. Yeah. So and lastly, Control coming to next-gen game yeah. systems. Yep. So there you go. All right, and with that, that's it. We're done. That's it for news. Yep, that's it for news. Now, you guys talked about, or you briefly brought up, that you played the Pokemon expansion and the bundle games. Which one do you guys want to talk about first? 
Uh, let's talk about the bundle games real quick uh, because those will probably be faster. To get. All right, so there's 1,700 games, you said. I did not play all 1,700. Um, I was kind of on a visual novel kick, so I only played a handful of like real small like novel-sized games. So I play, we both played a game based on the strength of its title, Dungeons and Lesbians. <laughs> it was so good. It was it's really so fun. Cute. You like you're you're in a D and D like like group with these three girls, and it's like a dating game where you're basically choosing which one you want to spend time with during the session, like during breaks of the D and D session. So you get to hear some of their campaign, and it's really funny. And you get to like spend some time with the girls, and at the end you kiss, and it's cute. So yeah, it's exactly what you want in one of those little small little games. Um, I also played a similarly romance-themed visual novel called Highway Blossoms, which is like you're trying to find a treasure in the the Southwest desert. And uh, yeah, you kind of pick up a girl whose car breaks down the side of the road, and it's about their story, about how they fall in love with each other, and uh, about the the rival treasure hunters you interact with. And it's longer than I thought it was going to be, and yeah, it's it's a cute story. that's a good kind of use of use of some free time if you have it. But yeah, there's a lot of games like that. So those, that's just a taste of what's in this bundle. Then Christy, did you play? What other things did you play? Uh, I played Arcade Spirits. Yeah. I didn't finish it yet, but it was it's fun. You're like a, a person that's just lost their job, and your roommates like here download this self help app. And the self-help app gets you a job at this arcade and you like, or so far I've just like met everybody that works at the arcade, but, um, and then I played, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's called S-E-R-R-E, Siri or so. I don't know, but I haven't been, it's literally just like, you just read it. Yeah, um, these are just not like visual novels. But it's about a you're a girl and an alien crash lands, and he's like, "I'm gonna take over your planet," and you offer him like a cup of tea. <laughs> and, um, As you do. Yeah, and you like make friends with the alien, even though like I think the alien's trying to eat you or whatever i don't know <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens and cute. um and i s- oh i started the what is that thing called that i played the glitter glitter mitten grove yeah. yeah um i don't understand how to play it um it didn't have any directions and <laughs> um you're like building houses for the fairies, but then more fairies moved in and I didn't have whatever. I don't know. It was boring. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that's everything I played. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of games. We're still trying to like kind of carve through all of them, but yeah, it's, a, it's, it's pretty cool. Then, okay. So Pokemon, you started, um, you got further into the ex- Isle of Armor expansion than I did. It launched today. It's the first of, Two expansions for Sword and Shield. Uh, what, what have you experienced so far? 
Um, so far, I've just gotten to the dojo, and um, they've accepted me into the dojo. I'm the like now they're in max capacity, and there's um, and there's like a lot of wild area that yeah, I've like explored. Based on like it seems like it's taking the wild area concept and being like, here's new wild areas. Yeah, I've definitely caught a lot more pokies that I didn't have before. <laughs> yes. Pokemon, yes. Pokies. That's <laughs> what they're called. Because, yeah, like the expansion, like it's this new adventure and it's also like an expansion to the Pokedex itself. So it's like you can encounter a bunch of Pokemon that weren't in the games before. Yeah, like the, when you get there, she gives you more things. Yeah. But I've caught, like, I caught a Jigglypuff today, and mm. I caught a Klefki, so. Oh, I love Klefki. Little key ring. Yeah, he's really cute. Um, cool. Yeah, that's honestly all I've, yeah. I've just kind of explored the wild area a little bit, and then I, yeah. like, have been accepted into the dojo, so I haven't gotten very far either, but yeah. I literally just started it. So yeah, next week I'll probably have a little bit more to say about it. And then last but definitely not least, you guys both brushed your teeth with Pokemon. Tell me about it. So I saw, I watched the Nintendo Pokemon thing. Yes. And then as soon as it, I saw that it said Pokemon Smile available now, I immediately downloaded it. <laughs> so yeah. And then I had to prove to people that, yes, this is a thing. So I immediately brushed my teeth and yeah. took pictures of it. <laughs> Yes, I got which, which Pokemon did you pick? Uh, Squirtle, because you use bubbles to clean your teeth. That's logical. Oh, I have Bulbasaur. He was like spitting leaves out at me. <laughs> I think that would be counterintuitive. He's stuck between your teeth. They didn't go into your mouth. They're like, because he sits on top of your head. Yeah. So does it seem like a neat like thing? You think this is gonna encourage kids to uh, brush their teeth more often? I know you can set like alarms so that way, or notifications so that way it's like time to brush your teeth. Like, do you think it'll get them to do a better job at it? Like, oh yeah. See, because this thing is for kids, I didn't put my birthday because that's an option. I didn't put my gender because that's an option. <laughs> I didn't tell them anything because that's an option because this is designed for kids. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's for kids, it's literally for kids. They, they use the AR to put like a little Pokemon hat on you. Yeah. And Pokemon's like running around on your tongue as you it's cute. brush your teeth to, to fill, to defeat the cavities or whatever. I guess I've not, I guess I haven't been brushing my teeth for long enough because I felt like I was brushing my teeth for hours. <laughs> So and it my defaults. Heart was tired. Okay, I'll tell you why. It defaults to two minutes. That's what I thought. It's like you're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes. That's what I've always been told. But you can set it for three minutes. Oh my god. Oh. You can also set it for one minute, which is what I did. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, like 120 seconds is a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and then it kept telling me brush faster. <laughs> And I was like... <laughs> oh, that annoyed me so much. <laughs> I was like, I'll go as fast as I can. 
I'm going to give this a try tonight and to see how I feel about it. But yeah, it's a neat thing. I guess I'll have to wait. pick Charmander since y'all taken the other two. So wait, now I did you catch the pokey at the oh, end? No, I didn't catch the right attack. Me either. <laughs> I was so mad. See, I, I like, thought I, I had to like brush harder. I thought like when it said do the things, I was like brush harder to clear everything to yeah, you have to, to reveal it clear. to catch it. But no, no, it's just automatic. You're not going to catch it the first time. Okay. Which is kind of bummer. Good lesson for the kids. Maybe it's to get the kid to be like, to come back and try it again. But it's a Rattata. It is a Rattata. Like, like they're easy to catch. You don't need to wound it or anything. You just throw a Pokeball. <laughs> Thanks, go. I okay. was really bad because I was like, my arm is tired. <laughs> I've been sitting here brushing my teeth for two whole minutes, and I didn't even get a Pokemon out of this. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to brush my teeth ever again. Let them rot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well it, on it that does, note. It does uh, behoove you to buy a stand so you're not holding your right, phone yeah. up like this Imagine. while you're doing it. Or do what I did, have it down, and then you're hovering over it. <laughs> yeah, I like propped it up on like, like where the faucet is, yeah. like so. But I still had to like hunch over to like, cause they were like, "Where's your face?" And I'm like, "I'm right here, right here." Jesus. Okay, but I did figure out that you don't actually have to brush your teeth because you just have the, as long as it sees the toothbrush and you just go like this in front of it. Uh, Fine. Cheater. It counts it. All right. Okay. We need to wrap up. Thank you yeah, for joining. So we're done here, right? Yes. Yes. We, no, nothing else? Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, for Yeah. That's it. That's all we played. It's all we can talk about. That's an extremely long episode of the show. But thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Boat Podcast. We will be back next week with even more stuff. We'll have Last of Us two, Part 2 Thoughts. We'll have more thoughts about the Isle of Armor. We'll have thoughts about um, probably the wrap-up of Kipo Season 2. You'll have more thoughts about, um, I don't know. What are, uh, the, uh, I'll be watching F is for Family. Why? Anyway. That's Bill Burr. I guess. Anyway, uh, so yeah, thanks for all that and more. So thanks. Oh, and we'll have stuff about the EA Play event that's happening tomorrow. All that stuff and more, so stay tuned. Tune in next week. We'll be back. Uh, I'll also be playing Kingdom Hearts Dark Road because that comes out on Monday. We didn't uh, talk about that, but that's also part of the Kingdom Hearts announcement. We'll I'll be talking playing that. Game insanity. Okay, bye! Thanks for joining us.